Hey everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse episode 212. I am Peter and joining me today as always is Matt. Bangarang muchachos. That was unexpected. Connor's here too. <laughs> I don't know how to top that. So uh, yeah, yeah I'm here. he can't. He tops it off with some booze as always. That's that's how he tops <laughs> well, it off. Yeah, I would just point out. I know this looks like the shape is like a prosecco bottle, but it, it is just a cider. Yeah, prosecco bottle. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, so <laughs> this is a DC Comics podcast. <laughs> Most people know what a prosecco bottle looks like. I mean, I didn't know there was bottles that were specific. I I thought you were just drinking wine. Like a, like to, a... to be fair, I think Prosecco is a very uh, British drink that we love for whatever reason. I've literally never heard of it until this conversation. It's, it's, but... it's a sparkling wine. It's yeah. like ch- cheap champagne. I'll just say wine then. What? <laughs> it's, it's, because it's, Prosecco is a type. Okay, fine. Yeah. Wait, look, I'm not an alcoholic, Carter. I don't know all these terms, okay? Neither am I, but I know things. <laughs> All right, okay, this is a DC Comics podcast. We talk about DC Comics every week. Uh, we get together. Uh, coming up on today's show, we have these following books to discuss. We have Wonder Woman 759, the beginning of Mariko Tamaki's run, so that's obviously a big deal. We got Suicide Squad issue 7, um, which, I mean, there wasn't a lot of other obvious books to put above it, but, I mean, I could also be accused of bumping Tom Taylor's books higher up the, the list because they feel more important in, in another week i would have given you shit but there's like five books telling yeah. none of them are that big after wonder woman yeah we don't have any batman or superman books unless you count batman superman which traditionally yes. which traditionally i've always put lower on the list because it's always it's not, you know it's, it's not when i say batman or superman i mean superman batman action detective they always go higher up the list when they're there not, uh, but not batman superman even though they're in the, the title yeah. To, be, to be fair, I'm willing to give Pete the, the the benefit of the doubt here that if we still had like uh, the Dark Knight one that we had in the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. it was kind of just superfluous and uh, quality aside, but still, I, that, it was that, a superfluous yeah. extra book. I'd be followed that, that would have been lower on the list. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's not like Batman now said it goes to the top of the list when that's out. I mean, it should. It's been that good, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so that's what's coming. Oh, I didn't finish the list, did I? No, because I, I just... No. I, I get interrupted it rudely. You yes. interrupted yourself with Suicide Squad. <laughs> Look, I may have had less sleep and then a weird nap before we started, so my, my brain's kind of at an awkward place right now, all right? Uh, but we got Batman Superman issue 10, as previously alluded to. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number 7, Plunge issue 5, uh, that's all the new books we're talking about, but uh, Carl also did a Patriot book in Severed issue 3, so that is uh, what's coming up on this week's show. Okay. Alright, yeah. uh, so... It trailed off a little bit there, that was weird. Yeah, I thought it was going to like do something with that, but <laughs> yeah. like, no... <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, actually, can I? I don't. We seem to bring up Subway too often on on the, the podcast these days. But I ordered a Subway yesterday, right? Which had been like, you know, two weeks since the last one. So it's not like I'm having them too often. I, I had one on Monday for the first time in like two months. And it was it was pretty good. Yeah. The, all all I wanted to say is that they're actually. I mentioned last time they gave me like a free cookie. Extra cookies. Yeah. yeah. They gave me three free cookies yesterday. Mine did not provide any cookies of any sort, barring the one Paige got with her meal. But yeah, they they did not provide any extra cookies. Well, I keep getting free. I'm trying to be healthier, and they keep shoving more and more cookies at me. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I, I I get where you where you're trying to be healthy. Like 
starting from next week, the UK government's introducing a thing that's like all these meals, if you eat in at like tons of restaurants and chains, like, including like McDonald's and KFC as well, are like all half price. And it's like, yeah, that's that's going to help people eat healthy. Yeah. Half, half price Big Macs. Yeah, I did see a thing though, they're, they're going to make it illegal to advertise junk food before the watershed, which is 9pm uh, for anyone. I've been saying that for like five years. Well, I, I still... only heard that this week and I thought it was really funny because I thought, oh yeah, I can't wait till after the o'clock so I can see that sexy chocolate on my TV screen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's apparently like they don't want kids seeing the adverts because they, they'll want them more. I'm like, kids are going to want McDonald's regardless of whether or not they're yeah, They want ass or McDonald's and they want McDonald's. Like, so... Are they not going to sell snacks before nine too? Because, like, you go to the grocery store and they're right there. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like, like we we've all been there. Uh, you know, been a kid. You know, driving home. You know, mom's driving the car home, whatever. And you go past a McDonald's. You're like, hey, mom, can we get a McDonald's? That's not going to stop just because there's not the kids aren't seeing adverts. Yeah, and since parents are lazy, uh, they go, you know, that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll get a McDonald's. That's right. <laughs> About half Man. the time they'll. About half the time they'll cave and go, oh, so, screw it. My dad, my dad's thing was, yeah, we can go to McDonald's, but you're not going to the play place. So you're like, play oh. place? yeah. So so here they had like a, a playground attached to most McDonald's. And, you know, I had the ball. Yeah, mates, mates. Yeah, one of mates has that. Yeah. yeah I've yeah, never so, seen it from my life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, they use it for birthday yeah. parties. Like, if you want a birthday party with dolls, there's like a play area. Connor, have you is... never seen Mac and Me? <laughs> no. You uncultured swine. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's the line, is it? But no, I, I've not seen that. Um, I've not but been. Anyways, so you, I would have to do the gamble of: Do I really want a Happy Meal, or do I want to go play in the play place? Because I got to pick my spot. You know. So. <laughs> I mean, if you say no, though, it's not like you're getting to to play in it anyway. So you might as well say, "Fine, I'll take the McDonald's." Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did better to have one of those things than neither. And to this, I, I to, didn't get to my current weight by saying no to McDonald's, Connor. To, to, to this day, uh, Matt still told he's not allowed in the play area by his wife every time they go to McDonald's. Yeah, I believe it, it does help that they're not as fun. Like, they got rid of the ball pits because you know they're filthy and disgusting. You know, um, so right yeah, now, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They also can't take my weight. So <laughs> they're, not, they're not meant for a full size man. Yes. yes. I know um, that there are places like that. Uh, there's a chain in the UK called Wacky Warehouse, which is like mm. a, a restaurant, like, you know, more of a proper restaurant, not amazing, mm. but more of a proper restaurant than the McDonald's that has, you know, play areas attached. As table and, service uh, is what you're trying to say. Right. Well, well, McDonald's has table service now, which, so that's not even a differentiator I mean, anymore. Does it? Yeah, yeah but like fine. there's there's a signifier though of like McDonald's is trying to get more like Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's still McDonald's. Hold on a second. Blown with the bull pits and pizza. Like, Wait, McDonald's has tables. Hold on a second. If I walk into McDonald's, I'm gonna tell you maybe not right now because of pandemics. Yeah, but but forget the pandemic. If I walked into McDonald's in February, right while they were still open, I would be seated at a table. I would order from a waiter. Is that what you're telling me? Um, no, you either order at the uh, at the counter or one of the screens still, and you take a number and stick, and you just yep. say okay, uh, and they'll bring it to your table for you. Yeah, but no, bring it to the table doesn't count as table. I'm talking about a waiter. Ta but those have always brushed up to your table. That is the definition of table service. Then bringing the food to the table. No, 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 yeah. no. If you have to walk up to the counter and order it, it's not a table. Look, just no. You know what I mean? Well, 
I mean, we are coming and getting your order. What Connor's referring to is called counter service, to where you order the food and they'll bring it out to you. Yes. Um, yeah, but then there's sit down, which those are, you know, the more what, what Pete's talking about. Yes. Where there's a server and you order your food from them and they bring that out to you. But um, what, what I was getting to before that kind of spiraled was yeah. the, the wacky warehouses tend to do like every so often they'll do a, okay, we'll do a night for adults. And they'll open it up at like you know eight p.m. when it usually closes, and mm-hmm. and be like, right, just just go wild, parents, <laughs> but, do what you want. Yeah, but if they reinforced all the play area so that Matt, for example, could could to go be in, fair, and... they're usually pretty solidly built anyway because you'll have like you know ten kids jumping on something at once. <laughs> so, so last year we took my nieces to a place like that over here, and uh, by me, and it was kind of like it, it's a smaller type place, but they had laser tag. Um, I'm been in years. Thirty-three-year-old me has no business playing laser tag with a bunch of nine-year-olds, especially as you're not supposed to run, right? You're not supposed to run. <laughs> no, they don't want running because it's you know tight corners and whatnot. Well, that's new. <laughs> yeah, but when the ref's not there, again, it's not a penalty if the ref don't see it. You so, you have refs? Oh, oh yeah. There's a person in there to make sure things go the way. You know what I mean? So. People aren't climbing on stuff and jumping in, you know, <laughs> Rambo was a, style. Was, was a very different experience where oh, wow. they just shut you in in the dark and went, "Go wild, kids!" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, ours had rules, <laughs> um, and so so so. Anyways, thirty-three-year-old <laughs> me barreling down a ramp towards a nine-year-old. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, all I'm picturing is um, the, uh, the the classic news story of uh, Boris Johnson playing rugby <laughs> with the kids. You weren't too far off. Yeah. I I feel like... I like the idea of playing laser tie with a bunch of kids, but mm-hmm. for your team, you, you bring in, like, uh, you know, little headsets so you get calm, so you can actually uh-huh. coordinate and tactically yeah. destroy them. Oh, I like man, how these... little, you, you need headsets. Now you just need Bluetooth earphones in your phone. <laughs> you can just do it. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I, I'm trying to conjure up the image of a squad, of, you know, of a, yeah, yeah. Of a team of oh. Marines. Yeah, so there was the the group of kids we were playing are all you know video game generation kids that have grown up playing like Fortnite and stuff like that. So they're moving in unison, like they're doing nonverbal communication. This and I'm this like, sounds I, like any uh, asynchronous multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah. Like and you, so like you're, you're the alien or the predator, and they're all the the squaddies. And and that's basically what it ended up being because you know. When you can look over the awning and they can't because they're short, you know, not that I'm much taller, but yeah, you can pick them off. <laughs> it's great. But anyways, yeah, we, we need more adult themed stuff like that, like where it's not just for kids because the, the most of the stuff at this place was just for kids. So we took my nieces and, you know, out, um, out of interest, just this is yeah. a, I don't know if this is true over there. Or not. Every single laser tag place I've ever mm-hmm. been in my entire life or ever seen is attached to a bowling alley. In, in not this... not ours. No, okay. No. Here, most of ours are... This one was a... Was there a mini-golf? I don't... Usually they're attached to a mini-golf place. Yeah, I don't think the one I went to when I was a kid was attached to a bowling alley. They're, they're either always attached to it or they're next door or across the street. They're always in the same area. Like, I've never seen them apart... Like, separate. I mean, I've seen bowling alley separate, but I've never seen you know a laser tag place separate from uh, a bowling alley. And it's... I don't know why. It just you know, people just decided over here that was the combination, and that would be 
the, right. the standard birthday party would be you'd play, you know, three rounds of bowling and then laser tag and then right. shoot after. I mean, the the kid that lived across the street from me, that was like my best friend uh, up until like middle school, he always had his birthday at a place called Ultra Zone that was kind of like that, where it was primarily laser tag, but they had like a small bowling alley. But it wasn't, I wouldn't call it like what you're referring to, like a full on. Where there's multiple lanes. There was oh, like, yeah, and ours would be like a you know a twenty lane bowling alley, and then yeah, down no. at the far end, the laser tag would be there. Right, and and that was based just basically there was a small arcade and the the like two or three bowling lanes. I can't remember how many, and that was to keep you occupied while you're waiting for the next game of mm. laser tag. Mm. You know, so but it wasn't like but Ultra Zone was legit. Like it was huge. You'd go. I mean, granted, I was a kid, so it might not be as massive. To my adult brain there's, there's yeah. always a terror of, of actually walking into one of these places and ruining the memories isn't there yeah, yeah well right? actually on, on that i remember when i was in my last year of high school i went back to my primary school for a, a thing my, my, the swing band that i was in a high school was playing a thing at the primary school but i actually went back to my primary school so grade school for uh, americans comparison uh-huh. uh and walking into that place as like a 17 year old having not been there since i was 11 like all of a sudden i'm like I remember this lunch hall being much bigger than this. What the hell? Yeah. And clearly it's because, obviously, everyone went through puberty after this place. So, obviously, yeah. we'd all look not doubled in height, but <laughs> like, I was like, this seems much smaller. I, I never had that much because I had a younger brother who was, you know, in the, the same school I went to um, that I would, you know, go to and pick up. And, you know, all, all the same teachers were there that, that knew me. So, you know, I'd say, like, I'd be in and out. Um, so I never had that moment of oh i've not been here in years and everything looks weird mm-hmm. uh, hams, uh, hams. Right, can you tell us that a pack show this week because i will let that ramble on for a good yeah yeah, yeah yeah but uh laser tags rad um and there should be adult play places but yeah, not like that, that. what we've like, established this week yeah mm-hmm. you know. okay you could add that to your uh political uh <laughs> to-do <laughs> list man when you run for office you know what? I, I bet you that's pretty popular <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right uh so it does a little bit of news not a lot but there's, there's a touch uh the most notable thing is, is obviously some teases from a certain writer that we hold in fairly high regard on this show uh one mr tom taylor who has been teasing all week he's been posting letters he's posted a couple of pieces of, of art as well there was one with superman there was one with uh, uh is it captain amazing is the old character that was in that i think so i'll teaser uh, and then notably, uh, you know, someone noticed that if you look at his Instagram, uh, at least at one point anyway, uh, because Instagram puts the letters in reverse from when he posted them, they formed the acronym GSA, which obviously is enough to send some of us into a tizzy. Uh, I will, there's a caveat here, there's like, almost like an unfortunately to tag on to this. Which is that it might be an injustice thing. I, I, I'm going to say almost certainly, seeing as the cover actually leaked. Ah, uh, okay. Uh-oh. Yes, so, it's, so it is injustice year zero, and it's you know it says telling the story of the circumstances that led up to the injustice, you mm. know, uh, comic and games. So it's all so, disappointing because obviously I want Tom Taylor rating the real GS, but you know, but it's still set in the forties, and or at least part of it is, I, I believe. From what they've said is this actually a physical book is this not digital it'll probably be digital first mm. yeah although it will i'm sure get you know physical releases in the in the same way that all the others do 
it's yeah. a shame because it's like, this means it's like well i probably could read this on its own but it's, i'm kind of bummed that i haven't read all of injustice so that it means more to me i mean you could just go read all of injustice oh. <laughs> so the letters i saw were were ian and J. I didn't see the S or the A. No, it wasn't a J because that was that was the swerve because it was I N and then it was a Z. Was it? Yeah, yeah, uh, that that was the swerve because people were like, "What huh. the hell is this?" And people were like, "Why is it? It, it, it seems like it's going to be you know Z for zero, right?" Um, huh. But yeah, um, while like you say, you know, it's it's a little disappointing that it's not the main JSA book because God, I would love that. Yeah, um, but maybe he's. Still... Maybe they're testing it out, right? Like, maybe, but him... it's it's still Taylor writing a version of the JSA, so I'm gonna read mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he's done that before over on Earth too. Uh, sure. Yeah, but this is a more you know traditional I mean? version, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, if if those dynamics still exist, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're there. I I enjoyed what he was doing. It's just that the book had run out of steam for me um, at the time. Yeah, that um, book is is super up and down, but there is a lot to like mm-hmm. in it. I think more yeah. than people gave it credit for at the well, time. The whole Valzad thing was super cool, like him doing this different take mm-hmm. on another Kryptonian to replace Superman because of the, you know, what had happened with with Darkseid and whatnot. And um, yeah, that was real cool. Um, I think um, a lot of the biggest problem with it, or at least in perception at the time, was this was all a younger. Like you know, Alan yeah. Scott and Jay Garrick were young people, mm-hmm. and but set in more or less present day, and right. uh, people don't like. It was the whole thing with the New Fifty Two just erasing everything in a vacuum? If that was the mm-hmm. only book that launched, like if now an Earth Two book launched and it was that, I don't right. think it would get the same hatred. But no. I think just oh. as another piece of this whole situation, it it, it could, people just threw it under the bus a bit. Yeah, I mean, I read it from the start, and then I, I went pretty deep into Taylor's run. And mm. under Robinson, it was it was fine because he's the one that started it. Yeah. Um, and it just the dynamics and stuff were there. It was like its own book, which was real nice, considering that the New Fifty Two tried so hard to be, like they tried to compartmentalize a lot of things. Yeah. This was the one book that it benefited from because it was all by itself. Uh, but it was really when they started trying to add, you know, Power Girl and Huntress as that Earth's. Yeah, that and it started to get real messy, and they were trying to tie it all together. Yeah, and where it went, and that's not on Taylor. That's that's all you know, DC. You know, so I'm wondering how, being that I've only read a couple issues of Injustice, how that's going to fit with this. Yeah, I assume he has more free reign on this one, at least. Yeah. Uh, Not that he doesn't get, you know. I'm sure he's a big enough player that he gets some wiggle room on the books he writes anyway. But yeah, there are editorial mandates still has to exist for even the biggest creators. Uh, whereas right. if you do a book like Injustice, which is just this separate thing that uh, you know the the bar's a lot lower as to what you can get away with, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm still a bit lukewarm on it, not because I'm sure it'll be great, but just uh, if this was actually just Tom Taylor's doing the JSA book, then I'd be. Yeah. Over the moon. Yeah, it would yeah. be the, the best announcement that we've had in ages. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. what it is. A uh, couple of things Scott Snyder related. Uh, one that he's dropping away, for the most part, from superhero comics. Uh, wants to do his own original stuff. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not still involved at DC, or that some of those things may end up being black label books or so on and so on. But 
he's kind of after death metal wants to kind of like go away from those those bigger characters give other people a chance yeah. uh, and he also wants to revive the writer's workshop initiative which has been kind of you know it's been gone for a few years a i think bit. it's been three years since the last one yeah yeah uh so that, that, that makes sense both of these make sense to me i mean um he's always spoke about metal too as this you know kappa to his tenure at dc um and you know it makes us he's, he's confirming you know, he won't be gone completely but he wants to give someone else a chance to play with all the, the big toys and he's just going to do stuff on the side uh, i'm all for it's, it i just i've always got from from snyder that he feels weird doing these big stories like yeah he has the bandwidth to do it but and i don't think it's a criticism thing but i don't know he always feels uncomfortable doing these big reality shifting stories you know where i feel like he kind of just wants to be off in his own corner like his batman run mm-hmm. right like um i could see so, that yeah. i i mean Possibly. maybe he's he's kind of he's done this now and he's he's had fun doing it i'm sure but he's like right i'm uh, i'm ready to move on to something else well mm-hmm. i am um, as someone who typically prefers snyder's lore the smaller stuff uh over his bigger superhero work I'm not necessarily opposed to this as a as a direction for his stuff because yeah. you know I, I like there's a lot of good elements in a lot of the things that he's done. There's a lot of good stuff in his Justice League run, but there's a, definitely a lot of things where it's it's not necessarily my perfect Justice League run. Uh, as Batman no, runs, witches? went downhell after a bit. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got got a, witches, uh, yes. Do you know the one I'm really excited for? It's the uh, the book he's got in the works with Frank Avila, because oh boy, that's mm-hmm. surely going to be something. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the the writers workshop thing makes a lot of sense for Snyder, given that he is a writing teacher. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that was his job before, and uh, you know. I mean, that's makes... where Tynan came from, right? Yeah, yeah, Tynan, and Tynan uh, was one of his students, and like became a TA type figure. Yeah, and uh, Margaret Bennett as well. Uh huh. Did the same thing where they, they were ex students, and you know he kind of brought them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, they. Oh, you you can say, well, it's it's who you know to get in the door there, sure. But I think both of them have, you know, solidified that they they've, you know, written some really good stuff. Well, you know, the old the old adage, "Cream rises to the top," right? Like, if they weren't as good, they wouldn't still be around. I mean, yeah. China's writing Batman now. Yeah, DC might like... have given them the shot, but they wouldn't have done everything. Right, right. Like, and, and Tynan's, you know, his his stuff on Batman stands alone from Snyder's at this point. You know, it's not like they handed him batman right after snyder was done he went to detective and whatnot and did something completely different completely different and now he's doing completely different and better on on uh on batman yeah so yeah, yeah um, he's but i think it just makes sense that he's the one wanting to do this you know workshop mm-hmm. that's uh obviously a, a a passion of his is the teaching as well as writing the comics and kind of bringing yeah. more people into comics man i i, I wish he would put together like, you know, Bendis had his, I have his book, The Words for Pictures, and I, and I went through it a, a while ago, uh, because it, that's his textbook that he was teaching from when he yeah. didn't have a class. I kind of wish Snyder, because I'd like to see Snyder's, because I know he researches, like, a lot, so I want to know what his process and what, what he would recommend. Yeah, if, if you're interested in those sorts of things, I'd recommend a, a series of Twitter threads by Gail mm-hmm. Simone. That yeah. she did at the start of the lockdown. Uh, okay. I think she just called it a comics Twitter school. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it ran for like four or five days. And it was like, you know, okay, these are the, you know, 
all the the tips, the projects, and, you know, and it'll, you know, it, the idea was by the end of five days you'll have some sort of product to hmm. you know to to start a pitch almost. Um, so if anyone interested, I definitely recommend going check cool. out those. Uh, I, I know there's there's actually been a few people who've come back to it now and gone, hey, thanks to this thing you did, I've got paying gigs now. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, yeah Gil's, Gil's a good shepherd. Like I, I do like seeing these, you know, older generation at this point of comic creators passing it on instead of like protecting. Like you, I'm not going to tell you my secrets are my secrets. Yeah, you right. That's, especially they're, like you, Snyder, who has been you know mm-hmm. spearheading DC's line for the past you know five or six years at least, mm-hmm. uh, is is actively going. No, I want to step back. I want new people to come in and try yeah. things. Uh, you know, that, that's cool to see. Uh, I think Connor's got more news. Yeah, just uh, one more thing. Uh, this comes from Brian Hitch's Twitter. Um, uh, he's he's tweeted that uh, he is drawing and writing a forty-eight page tie-in to Death Metal that uh, obviously hasn't been announced yet. Um, hmm. So we'll see what that is. Presumably in the next solicits. Um, he hasn't told you know he hasn't Probably. given us any uh, of exactly what it is. I mean, but, Brian Hitch's writing is not something I'm particularly excited about, but... And me either. Um, but it's just a one-shot, so maybe there's something more there than an ongoing, you know, like the Justice League book, for example. Yeah, maybe uh, it's got a focus yeah. and it's got a purpose, so it's like, hey, do this thing with this one character that will Yeah, it's, it's the sort things. of thing where, depending on what this is, I could be intrigued in reading it, uh, de- depending on what its focus is, which I'm sure we'll learn in the solicits. Um, but... So cool to know that there's another one coming, I guess, if you are into metal and all the upcoming tie-ins, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That, that's like two months in a row, based on the last two solicits, that I've got three issues a month. Uh, one just has three tie-ins, because there's no regular issue, and then I'm pretty sure the last one had a couple of tie-ins, plus the regular one, so... It did, yeah. So that uh, seems to be the, the ongoing trend after the first couple issues of Metal. It seems to be mostly one-shots as the tie-ins, as opposed to dragging other series into it, though, which is a model I much prefer. I mean, it's all tie-ins. The only exception is uh, Justice League's arc, which is tie-in. But Justice League isn't doing anything anyway. Doesn't have so a, it might as well. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a run. It doesn't have like a writer who's doing a it's run. Not, so It's not interrupting anything. Though. Yeah. So why not? Might as well. Uh, it's more relevant than it's been since Snyder left the book at least, so hey-ho. All right, uh, well, I guess we can get into the books then. Uh, we can yeah. fire straight on into them. Uh, we're going to kick off Wonder Woman 759. It's great to have this back. Mariko Tamaki writing with Mikhail Yannin on the art, and this is the start of her run, uh, so it's got that fresh coat of paint, and I was looking forward to this. I was very excited to see what the focus was going to be. Um, we, we have Maxwell Lord, of course, being a... a prime factor in here uh mm-hmm. even teasing the you know the neck snap page with the you know, very intentionally which obviously she's not snapped his neck but very intentionally is conjuring an image of that page at one point uh, yeah um, that. well i was gonna say it seems like tamaki's gonna play with that about how because i'm still not clear on max lord after what was that the justice league versus suicide squad tie-in that was supposed to lead to bigger things and whatnot. So I'm still not sure what Max Lord, Max Lord, Max Lord's Max is. Max Lord. Yeah. Um, um, I would say hopefully this book defines that. And that's, that's what I'm thinking is going to go. Cause why tease that? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Correct me if I'm wrong, but back when this was announced, they, they mentioned that 
uh, she'd be losing the sword and kind of, you know, and it, it was a weird like symmetry with what was going on in the the movie because uh, obviously that's a thing mm-hmm. in that she, she wasn't going to be doing the the, the full you know uh, offensive heroics in that movie uh, it would just be the you know, the, the lasso and the, the tiara and whatever um, is that because I, I someone was tweeting me the other day and I mentioned that and then I thought oh I'm going to check and I, I googled it and I couldn't find any reference to it I'm like did I make this up I don't remember it so I mean <laughs> I think I I remember hearing it in in for the for the movie, right? But and so maybe we we pause it. Maybe they'll do the same. I think. So but... the problem is, is that I re- I I have a memory of reading it and thinking mm-hmm. and and them saying it was a, a coincidence that it, that the movie was doing the same thing. Mm. But this was announced so long ago now, thanks to you know uh, delays beyond their control, that right. it was in the old days of Newsarama before they wiped all their records. And, and I'm like, did the article exist and I read it and it's well, just gone yeah. now? If we talked about it in the show, our conversation will still be there to find. That's true. Uh, God knows when. But just have to there. go find the episode yeah. and then so on. Right, maybe, maybe one when, of our listeners will remember better than me. When was One Woman 84 supposed to come out? Oh, it was June. June, yeah, originally. June? Was that the yeah. original date? Yeah. This is, oh, that was the original month for this as well, I think, actually, now I'm yeah, thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, that's why, that's why I remember thinking that they were, like, lining mm-hmm. up neatly, and, and obviously we were doing the, the Max Lord stuff, who's, uh, you know, the, the villain of that movie as well, or a villain of that movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what I mean the movie's currently st- scheduled for October, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Uh, so, no, um, I really like this issue. I suppose I'll get that out of the way. Uh yeah, I... yeah, yeah. Uh, the the layouts. I mean, it's, oh, the, the layouts. It's so hard cool. not to to throw praise on Janin, right? Because it's yeah. so easy. But this uh, is yeah. so different. Quibbles. What? Yeah, it's no, some, I, I, I some of his specific moments, but the the layout and the pacing. But that's what no, I'm saying. Yeah, I I would agree with that. There's a couple of small things to nitpick at. There's a couple of there's one page where Diana's running to like towards the cameras that were and her head looks kind of sort of stuck on almost mm-hmm. but typically speaking the art is like wonderfully like pretty to look at it's just you know it's, and I think the, the the overall style reminds me almost of I mean obviously different artists but it reminds me of the type of art that would be in like a on the x23 book that Tamaki did it, it feels like it it yeah. kind of fits into that it, mold in a, a big way I get that this this feels like a very classical look for Wonder Woman uh you know like in the mm-hmm. going back to not long before new 52 like you know in the the four or five years before that this feels like a style that would fit that book there um really nicely uh and I'm here for that yeah, uh, now the art's wonderful, and I love all this stuff because there's a tease at the start of this this prison with all the reds and blacks, which I think look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then obviously she goes there at the end, uh, but then it gets bright and colourful. We get kind of a the first couple of pages once it gets to Wonder Woman, it's basically just a here's kind of a because it's the start of a run. Writers love to do this thing where they sort of say here's basically just my thesis and, and a couple of pages of what Wonder Woman is, and you know here's the and classic. Now I'm gonna yeah. This. So yeah. yeah, we see her fighting a dinosaur, a cheetah, and a bunch of other things. She's with the Justice League, and then we have the Maxwell Lord page where she's got the lasso around them, um, and it sets all these things up. But the actual plot, once we get into it, is that she is moving into a new apartment in Washington, and she meets her new neighbor uh, because the neighbor's got a runaway rabbit <laughs> that which, snuck into which her she room. Has a, a little made, conversation with. Yes. Made me think of of the, the Shazam, you know, with Hoppy. 
Oh, I have a question. I'm not familiar yeah. enough with rabbits' anatomy. Is um, the the panel the, the first panel or the first page where we see that rabbit and it's bounding along the very bottom panel mm -hmm. where it's mm -hmm. right, you know, bounding towards us? Its feet are like so high up above it. Like, is that a thing rabbits do when they're running at full tilt like that? I, I, I've never I've never watched a rabbit run. Yeah, me neither. But you know, but it's, it stuck it's, out to me, and I'm not, I'm not Yeah, I'm not questioning that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Have you ever watched animals run in slow motion? It's like on a nature special. Only on like an Attenborough thing or whatever. It doesn't say. It's it's wild to see stuff their body does mm. that you don't notice because you know we're running at full speed uh, in in our brain. But yeah, so maybe I I'm think certain. This 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 panel or this page of like watching the rabbit like go down the hall. This bright, colorful art. It, it kind of like borders it, just uh, just around the, the borders. That's so Dude, I wanted to oh, can I finish my sentence? Jesus Christ! No. <laughs> right, I was going to say it, 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 it kind of starts this uh, tone right away of this kind of playful, likable atmosphere that I, I think really kind of sets up what the what the, the the book is going for, and it also nicely contrasts with the dark prison stuff that we get to at the end, where it feels like oh no, there's a real dark side to this world too. But it it sets up this innocent side first, and even the neighbor kind of adds into that, where you know. The neighbor has these memory issues. She writes things down. She's not full on memento, of course. Uh, right, but, but she does have a, a like a problem, so she has to keep yeah. track of stuff. So, um, uh, basically, Diana needs some furniture. There's a, a gag almost with she's got all these like uh, statues and and like ancient pottery and all that so kind of stuff. I, I didn't realize this. Cause I read this first during the week, so it was a while ago. You know, probably on Tuesday when it came out, and um. I didn't realize that everyone moving her into the apartments in Amazon. Yeah. Like, oh, sure. <laughs> like, I just, when I was reading it the first time, I thought, like, oh, these are just people helping, like, movers or whatever. And I was reading it so quick that I was like, oh, no, these are so... Suddenly you notice these are all very yeah. athletic women. who are, Yeah. And, and you're like, okay, I get who they must be. Right. Right, right, right. So I, I do like that. Um... And then of course they go to the IKEA like store, um, which is which is a lot of fun. Fun, I believe but, it was. Yeah, for yeah. They, they talk about how people like the illusion of choice um, and stuff. So I'm sure I've read enough Tamaki now at this point that I'm sure the whole illusion of choice thing isn't an accident, especially when you start getting with Max Lord. Oh sure, you know yeah. He's like, about because that all you know? comes down to main control. So obviously thematically, mm -hmm. I think this this definitely linking in there in a nice little way. Uh yeah. yeah, so so they're at the the store. Uh, Wonder Woman's even like appalled at the fact that she has to pay eight hundred dollars for a couch and then assemble it herself. Nine hundred. <laughs> Without directions, you're fine. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. He said eight hundred. Mm. He said nine. Yeah. Thank oh you. Jesus. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the the thing that happens here is that uh, there's like a. Basically, there's some commotion in the distance, but a car squeals off, and uh, like a dad and his daughter are kind of like, you know, yelling, Sarah, stop, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, we're not really sure exactly what's happening here, but Wonder Woman goes in pursuit and her bare feet <laughs> down the highway. I like, I like that, you know, it takes that moment to show, okay, no, she's pulling off the heel, she needs to yeah. run. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, I thought the sequencing in this was fantastic. Uh, the, the, the sense of speed. As the uh, as the, the this mum who clearly is is not herself, the, you know, her eyes are, are red. The baby in the right. backseat's crying. Clearly, something's taken over, and yeah. this is not intentional. That that two page uh, uh, layout, her jumping over the car, yeah. is 
It fantastic. looks like a hurdle. Like if you ever watch hurdling. Yeah. Oh, with the way you the know? legs are. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I felt that with the uh, with the sprint as well when she set mm -hmm. off. Yeah. Um, Talk about Wonder Woman here, by the, the way, because uh, the way you saw, I just said her after I was talking about the oh. the mom in the car. I just want to make yeah, that clear. Yeah, sorry, sorry, we're talking. Ta ta Wonder Woman is the one who's running and jumping, just to make that yes yeah. that clear. Um, you know, when she sets off, obviously we that's where that funny panel is that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. with the face, but then the one below it where it's her setting off the run uh, from behind, and you've got like you know the the foot pushing off. Uh, it feels like a, you know, like an actual runner. It, uh, yeah, and so that's the thing with Janet, especially on this art, is nothing feels static. Like uh, you take away the page above where it's, it's weirdly posed, right? Not the page, but the panel. But everything, like without motion, without a lot of motion lines and blur and stuff, everything's in motion. And I, I feel that's a little bit new when it comes to Janet. Like maybe, maybe his Grayson when he was on Grayson is a little bit like that. Yeah, but, I think he did the classic uh, but, silhouette, you know, transparent. This is race. an yeah. interesting point, actually. I think match brain up is because I kind of feel this as well as that. I can definitely see Yannin in this, but mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like the Yannin that was on Batman. It feels like he's no. he's intentionally doing something different here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which I I might even like a bit more than his Batman potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, and it feels like he's experimenting because I'm I'm thinking back. That's why maybe Grayson just because of the nature of that character. There's there's a Probably grace and a flow closest. to him, right? Hell, but yeah. When you there's... think about his work on Batman and what else has he worked on? I'm not gonna lie. I'm, there's I'm actually some panels in here. Uh, some of the faces. Now, as much as I had that complaint, where the, the one where she's mm -hmm. running towards the car for the first time, her head looks a bit stuck on. Mm -hmm. There's panels in here where the, the faces almost look Sejic-esque. Uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. That I think honestly i think that might be a lot down to bel air and the relatively flat colors especially on some of the faces there's not a lot of dimension in them and i don't mean that as a bad thing i think they're really expressive and look great um but i think that's something that Cedric does with a lot of his no, they are great. as well uh, the car's um, going to swerve into a truck like a you know big semi and uh one woman there's a great page here where she she stopped this and she's got like a hand on the front of the truck and a hand on the front of the the, the car and she's just kind of like holding them off from each other. It's a really big, nice action shot. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, something Matt hit on with the motion lines. Something I found really interesting with that is there are almost no motion lines on Wonder Woman herself, but there are on everything around everything her. else. Right. Uh, the the only panel I can think of that really has a lot of motion lines on Wonder Woman is as she's jumping you, into the car. Do you know what that does? Mm -hmm. Do you know what that do you know what that impression it gives? It gives this impression of grace because she's not. Yeah. Uh, it's that, and it shows. It's it's you know when you're in a car going fast, and you look out the window, and everything's mm -hmm. like you know just flying yeah. past. It gives that impression for her. She's moving that much faster than all the other stuff there. That it, she's the one that feels at equilibrium and it, still, and everything yeah, it gives flying by. It gives me the impression that she is. I mean, Grace was the best word for it, really. I've already used that, but like, it, it gives me the impression <laughs> that she is so confident and agile, and is like, and knows exactly what she's doing. That she she's never like hesitating or second guessing where she needs to go or what she needs to do. Uh, everything's very kind of laser focused. So again, there's this confidence to her as well. Confidence in the art, sure as well. But I mean, just from a yeah. character perspective, she feels confident in what she's doing. Uh, but then of course, this is obviously Wonder Woman has an idea of who's behind this, and this leads to the prison stuff at the end, where the coloring completely changes. It's all uh, bar uh, blacks and uh, steep blues outside but wants to go inside the prison where presumably there's red lights because there's a riot going on and we see all the glowing eyes Wonder Woman's in costume they're all fighting and then 
So there's got a couple of great pages of her just fighting all these these people. It looks really great. And then Maxwell Lord from the sidelines just says stop. And everyone who was fighting, presumably for his own amusement, uh, or, or maybe even to draw attention of someone like Wonder Woman, uh, he, he, he was making them all fight. They just they stop and they all stab themselves in the necks, which is actually yeah, really goddamn dark. he tells them to die as well. Yeah. Uh, and the cliffhanger is just, well, you know, Wonder Woman's there face to face with Maxwell Lord and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but like the confrontation next time. Well, it's a great cliffhanger. I mean, I I think this works really well uh, in two ways. It works in the sense that if you're a first time reader of Wonder Woman, if you're okay, maybe you're. I mean, the movie's not actually out yet, but let's say you're you get into Wonder Woman because the movies are coming out, and you're like, ah, why read some Wonder Woman? I think this works on its own because it does enough to establish Maxwell Lord is very serious, given what he, we see that he almost does to the family, and then what he does to all these prisoners. If you're someone who's familiar with Wonder Woman history and you have the weight of Maxwell Lord's past with Wonder Woman, the cliffhanger has this this big impact of, oh shit, like what's this version of this encounter going to be? Where's this story going to go? Yeah. Uh, so Just uh, on the timing with the movie, assuming it does come out in October like it's theoretically going to, but none of us really believe, but if yeah. it did, this would probably have the trade just about ready or not long after, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when it gets pushed again, the trade will definitely be out. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that, that, that would be a great thing to, uh, you know, comic stores. Mm. If anyone comes in after seeing that movie and goes, hey, I'm interested, just throw this trade at them, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, it's, don't it's don't very... give them Sacrifice, because I reread Sacrifice. Sure. Um, it, it wasn't as good as I remembered, so um, let's aim for this one, DC. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I, I think the point we're making is it's very new. I mean, at least from this first issue, it feels very new reader-friendly without sacrificing yep. what it means to us as long-time either readers or at the very least we have a a, a basic idea of, I mean, what, what went on. Right. Um, I mean, I've read Sacrifice too, but uh, it's uh, it's been a while, admittedly, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, you have positive memories of it because of the Rucka chapters, but then when you read all the lead-up that was going on in the Superman books, oh, and sure. it's, it's rough times. The Rucka stuff is still pretty solid, but that's... I mean, come on, it's Greg Rucka. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, this first issue is basically everything I hoped from a Tamaki mm-hmm. first yeah. issue on Wonder Woman. Just uh, something that I, I love that we haven't really touched on is is how much of this issue is Diana and Civvies. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. I always love. Just, okay, no, we, we're really starting down to earth. Uh, and, I, you know, she's, I mean, she's moving into a new apartment. It's as you know, standard as it gets. I mean, that's your typical thing to make it feel new, but like just the fact that it's introducing like a supporting character who's clearly going to be sticking around in this run is a big deal for me, because one of the things I always complain about in Justice League especially is that it needs more downtime, it needs more stuff to like, make them feel human and give them the, the human connections that really gives it the heart to the, the overall mm-hmm. story. And this first issue, and I expected no less from Tamaki, but this first issue immediately does that. It immediately gave me, he was a supporting character who seems likable, who befriends Diana, and mm-hmm. you know when she's in danger at some point and no doubt she will be <laughs> it, it's going to hurt and it's going right. to really drive the motivation for wonder woman to do the right thing so uh yeah yeah i, I think wonder woman is, is one of those characters that's always in need of a more human supporting cast because don't wrong we've got like steve and, and etta but they are agents in their own right they, they they kind of belong in that world already um having the more civilian side of things it's something that I thought a lot of characters could do with in general. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I think it always 
it, it grounds them yeah. in a more honestly way. one of the biggest problems with comics is that whenever a new writer takes over a run they always want to do their own supporting cast and not continue to use whatever the previous writer set up unless it's like a, a golden age character like you know obviously mm-hmm. superman always has jimmy and whatnot but a lot of the characters don't have that that established cast that everyone uses so they end up like so you so you'll like the characters they introduce in this supergirl run but then the next supergirl like series starts it's like oh no forget about all those side characters we're going to do new side characters yeah one of the better examples of that in recent years i think has been batgirl which yeah yeah because gail simone introduced a lot of characters uh in that mm-hmm. regard in her run and quite a few of them popped up repeatedly in subsequent runs uh yeah uh, you know in multiple subsequent runs actually oh. so i'm, I'm a fan and of then that. i mean and then the what was it the gordon clean energy that that was something that was introduced by the in the Burnside oh, yeah. set. I mean, it does happen from time to time. Until recently, but it's definitely well, no, it's, it's, it's something that sticks yeah. out to me when it doesn't get carried forward, and that tends to be, I'd say, more of the time. Yeah, so... and obviously we didn't read most of the previous Orlando run, if any, but we read the first Orlando section or a lot of it anyway. Yeah. And the only major supporting character it really added was Jason, which. Even yeah. our thoughts on that aside, even our thoughts on him aside, doesn't solve the problem. It's already Wait, that wasn't Orlando. Was that not Orlando? That was Robinson. Yeah. Robinson, that Robinson started. Sorry. Okay. Right. Because uh, Orlando was in I and out the... for a bit. I did the same thing because I didn't enjoy a lot of what Orlando was doing. Was and I just automatically applied him to Jason. Yeah. But didn't he use Jason for a second? Maybe I don't know. Because uh, uh, obviously uh, Orlando has actually the annual coming up, which is the actual ending to his run. Um, but the last issue of Wonder Woman, the last proper issue, uh, the final moments of that were Jason, I believe. Um, yeah, shut up. I mean, no, but I mean, it wasn't him that wrote all this stuff with Jason coming into the book and all that stuff. That was, no, none of that was Orlando. Uh, uh, but but more the the point there being was okay, it's it's a new supporting cast, but it's someone who's ingratiated into that side of the world, who's involved in in the mythology i like having the the civilian side of it like we've got here yeah i think a lot of superhero books really benefit from that and a lot of them don't do it which is frustrating so i'm really glad that a lot of the writers that i like uh tamaki uh, the newer writers like tamaki taylor these characters these, these characters these writers they tend to be very good and part of what i like about their work is that they have that human element and if you if you read tom taylor's uh friendly neighborhood spider-man that book mm. immediately mm. did that kind of thing and it really made it feel like it had a lot of heart and I cared about who Spider-Man was saving because I, I knew people in the community that he was saving. I, I knew what was at stake every time he was doing something. So it grounded it in a really good way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you it's always bring up things that the TV shows kind of work at is having a lot of extra people supporting and a lot of them inevitably get drawn in. But uh, it's it's would be nice to see more of those actually make the leap into the comics as some more civilian counterparts. Yeah. What are you going to say, Matt? Well, I was going to say, because you bring up, uh, you know, both Tamaki and Taylor wrote uh, Laura Kenny, mm. you know, All New Wolverine and X-23, and they both approached it in a similar way, where it was about the relationships to Laura, you know, because when you think about Wolverine and all the relationship that he had, she's almost in his shadow, and the way that they go about that in building a community... Hey, that's what yeah. Taylor does in On Wolverine. Do you know what's so you know, funny, like... funny about this? Is that as we're talking about this, I'm realizing this is the problem with newer Star Trek, is that old Star Trek 
uh it was always about the characters it was always about every story is how does it affect you know data's like quest for humanity how does it affect picard's ideals mm-hmm. how does it affect these things whereas the no, new picard a new discovery it's always about oh there's some apocalyptic vision that's going to end the universe <laughs> like, yeah. it's always about the plot now uh so i just think it's funny that i had that thought as we're talking about comic books but hey uh sure. but no wonder woman uh fantastic to start i think and art's uh, yeah. a couple of nitpicks aside art is gorgeous and i'm i'm excited that yeah, and I think he's doing this first arc and he's uh, alternating so, yeah. uh, after that, which is a good system. Hopefully they can stick to that. Hopefully we've got... I can't. I feel like we know who's on the next arc or at least the next issue in the solicits. We do, I think. I don't yeah. recall who it was. I hope it's someone that's good. <laughs> that can, you know, live up to this. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you always hope the arc's going to be someone good, no matter what the context True, is. But this but... is particularly good. So, yeah. All right, Matt, what are you giving Wonder Woman 7.5? I'm giving this an 8.5. All right, Connor? Yeah, same for me. I'm giving it a 9. Kind of loved it. So, there we go. Um, Suicide Squad, issue 7. Tom Taylor writing Mm -hmm. with Daniel Semper on art. Uh, Daniel Semper is an artist who, every time he pops up, I I vaguely recognize that name. And every time I remember who it is, I'm like, oh yeah, every time I've seen his name, I'm like, yeah, I actually really like the art he did. Uh, so, uh, ha- yeah. This ha- is the, the second issue he's been on this book, and I think the first time we praised how much he matched Redondo's yes. style, that's still true. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. still, that's still there. Because um, he was in like a one-shot or maybe a fill-in issue on something like a few years ago in this show that we talked about. And it was like, hey, that was actually really good. And the next day it popped up, I was like, oh, that was that guy who was really good for that one issue. So I feel like it might have been like a, a Snyder Justice League issue. Yeah, uh, it may have been. Uh, but mm-hmm. no, I think it was hell in that. I think the first time it popped up was even before Snyder was on Justice League. But regardless, this is a Deadshot-focused no, issue. And it's him going home. And there's a little, there's a little uh, prelude with uh, Ted Cord, who basically is just given the order to hunt down uh, this, this Suicide Squad, hunt down the revolutionaries because they're bad for business. Uh, he seems, yeah, man. So seems really evil um, in this this scene, Matt. I don't know how you're feeling. <laughs> I, okay, so you say evil, right? I'm thinking he's got. I wouldn't say evil. It's this. I guess it would make it evil. It's like an emotionless <laughs> prag, pragmatism, I guess, because it, it's not Luther X. That's what I was going to point out. Is this is a, a a new on the spectrum of rich bad guy. Right, where you have mm-hmm. Luther, who's kind of maniacal and rich, and, and doing that. This is not the same here because there's, I feel there is some stuff here that that Ted does feel bad about. Like you get to that second page, in his face in the shadows, it looks very concerned. Yeah, there's concern Guilty, there. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Do you know what is, is, is bizarre is that uh-huh. this week we 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 have just suddenly been thrown back to the mid-2000s because we've mm-hmm. got Ted Cord and Max Lord in the same week. Ted Cord, Max Lord, and Deadshot rocking uh, something. Like, yeah. It's very, but, very mid-2000s. Yeah, so. uh, just the title on this book. I mean, it usually ends up being good, but I really liked it in this one. It's the, sort of the yeah. it's Deadshot standing outside his house inside the text of the Suicide Squad. Still uh, got a little dog with him. Yeah, a little dog with him. Uh, and he goes up, and he's expecting his daughter to be, you know, because his his narration is very, like, oh, he's, he's like, oh, okay, he's probably going to reject me, whatever. And then she immediately is like, dad, and hugs him. Uh, full page spread, beautiful stuff. Uh, like I said, the art's really good, so it all sells us. Do, do you know what that? Do you know what this makes me want? And obviously, Deadshot's a you know, 
as far as the, and they revealed this so this isn't a spoiler per se even though it technically is uh but Deadshot's at least seemingly dying soon so this book is somewhat cruel and then it makes me like him uh, in a sympathetic way a lot more yeah but it also Dude, made what? me want like uh i'm like can i can i get my uh my hawkeye series with deadshot and his daughter <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what i want now so, uh, especially by the end of this but on, yeah. on that deadshot future as soon as that was announced we all went yeah whatever and then then last issue was like oh they're trying to do something with deadshot here and then this issue i'm like god I, damn it they might actually I, be doing this they're making us care <laughs> i don't know i feel there's a swerve i, I, feel, I don't swerve. like taylor uh, there's a good taylor, chance there's a good chance there's a swerve sadistic but is he that sadistic i feel like we're going to they're probably going to operate under the pretense that he's dead for a while and then there might be yeah. a swerve where oh no it was all fake so they could outsmart ted card or something like you know like yeah. i don't know from the off though it, it, yeah i believe so, the emotion will land hard in a way i would not have predicted you know three issues ago yeah so 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 i uh, real quick on sam Pierre. Uh, some of the stuff that he worked on that he was on uh, Batgirl number nineteen. Okay. There he you was go. on Green Arrow thirty six and thirty nine. There you go. <laughs> and then they have him listed for Justice League, uh, the sixth dimension. But I'm not seeing like okay, there it is. He Justice League thirty eight, thirty nine. Okay, so it was uh, some of Snyder uh, at least and thirty three. Yeah. Obviously, there was stuff before that, um, but that was obviously where it was stuck in my memory. Uh, where it finally but, clicked to me who he was on a repeated basis, I guess. Right. But for me and you, Connor, he's done uh, Justice League Dark as well. Um, oh, he did five and six and trying to find the other issues. But yeah. Um, five, six. Yeah. He seems to be a regular go-to fill-in artist, which is how a lot of artists start off. Start, because obviously yeah. they don't, you don't get you know, a full gig straight away, usually. But... Um, He's done a great job of matching the tone of the series. Yeah, his felon art score is he's pretty solid. (laughs) And and you, I can tell that him and Taylor have a good relationship because he's also done a lot of Injustice too. That was Taylor, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 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 So he's done. There's there's a lot listed here. So I mean, clearly he likes working with him, um, and the feeling is probably mutual. Uh, more more Sam Pierre, I'm I'm fine with because like as uh, as much as his work here is great. I think we do need to create. I think. Inker and the colorist, I think, are the same across. Oh, so they, they make it do uh, you know, a yeah. great job of keeping it consistent. Yeah. So did anybody else get Carl Urban vibes from Deadshot in this issue? <laughs> I didn't I think of that, it. but I could see what you're saying that. Uh, yeah. We, we get, uh, obviously, the, the ex is kind of talking to him, and he's like, no, nah, I think I'm out of that life, but I don't know what to do yet. <laughs> uh, so he's not good at anything else. Uh, I like the line, but you're having a hard time choosing between murder and upskilling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, but I, I, what I loved about this, though, is that when he goes to see his daughter, and she's like, hey, check this out, Dad, and she's got this costume, so like, I'm going to be called Live Shock. I don't want to kill anyone, but I want to be like a, you know, a new version of you kind of thing. I, I got... Big Gabby vibes. Oh, sure. Here. Yeah. I, 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 I can see that. On this page, is actually a really small moment where she's like, oh, I've been winning a lot of archery competitions. Yeah. And he just looks around and he's seeing the, the dartboard and they're all on the bullseye. Yeah. And he's just admiring that as well. He's like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, uh, yeah, what I like about this is that I love the, the secrecy where he's like, if your mom sees that you, you're like inspired by me, she's going to freak out. Like, you have to change, change your clothes quick. Like, I love that. That, that really made me laugh at the end of the, the, the page. Uh, when yeah. the mum shouts up. Uh, but, of course, Deadshot's on the news with the revolutionaries. They're wanted as escaped criminals. And we know he's been pardoned. He knows he's been pardoned. 
but obviously this makes him look like a bit of a liar. So <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Damn it, I should have known that it wouldn't stick." And my favorite bit is like, "You know, so, you know," he's like, "None of that's true." So you didn't kill anyone. I killed one guy, but he started it. Yes, he started <laughs> like, it. Uh, which, like, by the way, killed. I don't know when this happened, but uh, his daughter uh, put the dog into a, a, a superhero a suit as well. <laughs> I, I assume she did it while. Uh, he goes down to see to talk to her, right. uh, to talk to the the, the mother in yeah. the sequence, and she stays up. Goggles and a cape. Yes, it's, uh, it's uh, adorable. And so, that page, uh, which Matt just mentioned there, with the uh, you know didn't kill anyone. The bottom panel there, I I see the urban. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, of course, unfortunately, when I think, even though he's obviously, I you know, maybe I always loved Carl Urban Roll's dread, but when I think of him now, I can I just think of him saying things about the Space Girls and killing supers. Like, like That's she's fair. a my, my effing super. Thoughts, you know, he's... <laughs> my, my first thoughts of him are still Lord of the Rings uh, to this day. But, he's in that? Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, he's uh, he's a fairly main character from the second movie and the third movie. Forward, yeah, he's uh, not Boromir. It's, uh... I'm sorry, there were two forgettable. Mirrors, right? I don't remember. It is one of the Mears. Uh, Aeomir. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the Mears. Anyways, but see, I and I like the boys, but I don't go... There, like I just forgot he was in the boys because he melds like to me he's not Carl Urban, he's his character on on the boys, right? But some of these lines when I realized like oh this could be Carl Urban, I was reading as McCoy from from Star Trek, <laughs> so because there's there's this put uponness like none of that's true. Okay, I killed one guy, but he started it. Like there was just I, I there was a pattern. I feel like if we're going to pick a Carl Urban voice that was best suited to Deadshot, I mean Dredd's mm -hmm. probably the closest because it's so gruff and just like, yeah, yeah. yeah but Floyd's not I, I emotionless. Like yeah, I like the idea of him being more McCoy than Dredd, being like, no, he's he's kind of a normal guy in in okay. a lot of ways. I can see he's it. He's not that scary. Uh, just to, to talk. But anyway, so the police are outside, or the feds, or whoever, uh, and. He's pulling out his guns, and then his daughter's behind him, and he's like, "Damn it!" Okay, so we see him surrender. You know, it's a great page cut where you know he's out with his hands up, and they're still being very rough with them. And he's saying, "Hey, like, I'm not like I'm not fighting back. You, you like, there's no need yeah. to like be." And then his daughter, like a true hero, <laughs> arrows one of them in the knee, and then they point their guns at her. By the way, grateful page spread. I think this is what really yeah. sometimes like when it comes to like, the theory, like the the, the you know the, the theory behind art like uh mm -hmm. like in movies i'd call this the uh cinematography but like you know mm -hmm. this idea of cutting to a full page panel of her in this ridiculous like cheap costume that she's made uh after this makes it almost feel more endearing that she just did it that she was willing to like yeah. do this yeah and it, it's moments like this that you're getting those gabby vibes of, yeah you know the the hawkeye series with her kind of being yeah in many ways so uh, like, there's, a, there's this great tense moment where the guys, the you know, the SWAT guys, got his gun pointed at the door, and the, you can see the, the trigger. It's like he's going to do it, and and Floyd knows mm. he's going to do it, so he has to go into fighting mode. But even once he starts fighting, he's like, "No, she's watching. No killing." Mm -hmm. So I, he, I love that even the guy is terrified. He doesn't want to pull the trigger. He, he's no. like, "You know, please drop the gun." You can see the sweat coming down in the uh, in the, the the mask in the eyes, just the bit that you can right. see. Yeah, and he's like, "Please don't make me shoot." I love the art though, uh, in the following page where it's just all the little panels of all the places that he's shooting, where you can see the kneecaps, mm -hmm. the hands, the shoulders. Like it's all these. Like he's he's still very precise because he's dead shot, but he's precise right. in a non-lethal way here, which is well, kind of wonderful. 
Well, and I like the emphasis too on that right before when he pulls the gun out of the guy's holster, like the way that it creates an arrow, like the panel to um, show, yeah. like it zooms in. I, that's super cool. And then you get kind of more of that with with what Pete was just talking about. Oh, oh, Mike, Mike, him. Mike. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, even just hard, like, you know, then joining in with the arrows, like to sort of save him at one point. Uh, it's really it's like damn, she's actually really good. Now, I've always liked Deadshot as a character. I've always enjoyed Deadshot. Mm-hmm. I think this run is making me kind of love Deadshot as a character. Deadshot's always been one that I'd say like even feels generous. I've been like I, I've been accepting of Deadshot. I've been open to Deadshot. Yeah, like, he's, a, he's a fine I've part of whatever he's in. Usually, you know, he's like he's a mm-hmm. fine addition on on the team or whatever. You know, I I take him to Slade. They get a lot of a lot of similarities right the assassins the gear that they wear mm-hmm. but there's a lot more heart like and that might just be because i first became familiar with him from suicide not suicide squad secret six um and the way that gail wrote him there was sure, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, as as far back as i remember reading yeah uh, you know him here it's been uh that that stuff with his daughter has been a driving motivation mm-hmm. which has always given him much more attachment to the world than than slate I will say right. this, though. That essentially made his daughter more of a character. Therefore, his motivation of, of his daughter has a lot more weight to it all of a sudden. Now, obviously, I've not read everything that Deadshot's ever been in, so there's a good chance that there's been other attempts to actually make his daughter more of an actual presence. But this was a really good attempt at doing that. And I think the, the comparison to, to Deathstroke's really interesting because it shows how different they are, how they are with their kids. Because Deathstroke with his kids is this, like, Okay, there is kind of a like good quality at times with it, but it's this very malicious kind of manipulating militaristic. Yeah. yeah. It's manipulative, whereas Deadshot is like, no, I just want a better life for her. Yeah, there's a genuine kind of it's almost like a, a cheesier, more straightforward thing, but there is kind of an endearing quality to Deadshot, just like, no what, you know, I'm this killer, but I'm not gonna do it in front of my kid. Yeah. I'm not doing it in front and, of her. It's just not and happening. That's not to say there's anything wrong with Slade in this context either. I actually like them being different and, oh, and sure, having yeah. those different attitudes. That's not a fault. I think it makes me very much easier to root for Deadshot though, as a po- because you know, Deadshot's kind of the the heart of gold, almost, right? Kind of, kind of thing, uh, despite everything he does, which makes him more interesting. So, yeah. Uh, whereas Deathstroke has the, the weird complex moral gray area thing going on. Yeah, there, I just remember in at the end of the first uh, story or the first arc of of Secret Six, stuff happens. I don't want to spoil it. People should go and read that. Yeah, I still need to read that moment, myself. Yeah, there, there's a Me moment too. where Deadshot has to admit to something, and there there is a twinge of guilt. Because he he knows that what he did was wrong, but he still had to do it because of other things at risk, you know, probably his daughter if I remember correctly. But yeah, and it just it always has made him a more layered character, and like, Deathstroke's cool and all, but like I don't, I almost wouldn't want the same kind of vibe. Like that's why I like what Priest did in that solo yeah, series. Yeah, it's very different. It, everything's very, different. very cynical, and like he's never doing it for the right reasons. So like, there's no like heart that, there. Though. You know, this, this is what I was just yeah. saying. I like them being different. I don't want Slade to no. suddenly care. I, I no. like him being that character, but we don't need two of that. No. No. Well, and you would say the same about Deadshot. You don't need him to do that. You want that tie still with no, the I, I like That's that, what makes this work. Yeah, I like having that heart. So it, she almost gets shot again, and this is when uh, uh, Wink kind of comes in. 
and mm-hmm. saves her. It's a really fist-pumping moment, this couple of pages, where you realize that the that the whole team showed up to have his back. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's kind of sweet. <laughs> you kinda... and, and you know he didn't expect this. This no. isn't like, this This wasn't planned. It wasn't like, oh, there's backup coming. This is just like, oh, his his friends appeared. And, yeah, and that... as, uh, as I, I don't know if it was Wink or Airy puts it to, uh, to his daughter that... Um, he, he didn't even know he had friends. Yes. No, yeah. I, I like that a lot. I, I think it, the idea that they had his back when there was no reason for them to have his back is, I think, mm-hmm. something that maybe might inspire him a little bit. I love the colouring, by the way, in the clouds when uh, Wink takes her up out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? The, the, the purples, the yeah, yellows, and the reds. Yeah, really pretty. Uh, and then, of course, the team show up. Uh, you know, fun stuff. And it's very quickly, they, 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 you know, de-escalate the situation. Uh, Deep Six, is that his name? I'm still really learning all these. No, Deadly Six. Yeah. Deadly Six. Deadly Six. Oh, Deadly Which, Six. again, I appreciate. They put all the names yep. on as soon as they yeah. all appear. This is something that... We, they know that crazy. this is a lot of characters for us to get used to and learn the names. And I feel like I'm remembering who they each are in terms of personality, but I'm forgetting their names most between most issues. So I'm, I'm, I'm I appreciate this. With, I'm pretty good with Wink and Airy and Chaos Kid. Chaos uh, Kitten, I remember. Uh, I think I'm starting to get uh, Osita because she's kind of the leader. But yeah, well, Osita, uh, yeah, Osita's the big, you know, the big lady. Um, but no, but then like thylacine, that one's not that you know hard to remember. Yeah. You know, that's the not Wolverine. <laughs> it, it, yeah, know? it's more just if you if you ask me before I read this issue, it's been a month or so since we've read the previous one, and goes right, which if uh, you know describe one of their powers and say what's their name. Like if if you'd gone okay, the leader, the the big woman, you know, mm-hmm. would would I have got Osita? Honestly, probably not. No. As I mean, I'm means... reading it, as I'm reading it, and you say Osita, I'm like, okay, I know exactly who that hey, is. Right, and, and in two weeks, I still may not get it. To be honest, this is why I appreciate them well, putting the names on there every and, and issue. Here, you guys will never forget Osita now, because I'm going to tell you, it means Lady Bear. So... <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know that, Matt. Yeah. All right. Uh... So so Deadly Sex gets rid of the little SWAT team by making them all uh, greedy. So they all run for their lives. Yeah, self-preservation. Yeah. So, yeah, that hug at the bottom of the page with uh, Deadshot and his daughter is great. Uh, but, you know, Deadshot's like, okay, I trusted the pardon. Um, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have, so therefore I'm going to have to, you know, take care of this and do something about it. So the final page is him sort of leading the team, as it were, uh, with the line, it's time to kill the Suicide Squad. So, uh, yeah, taken to the, the fight to Ted Cord. So maybe some actual confrontation with Cord and maybe get some kind of inkling as to why he's doing what he's doing next also, issue. Also, we're getting the, the Aryan Wink origin stuff next oh, issue. Yep. Okay. Which is okay. interesting, which I don't know if you guys are staying up to date with uh, Hope at World's End. I haven't read the last one yet. I haven't read but the yeah, last one or two. They, they factor prominently into this week's one that yeah. came out. So it's it's pretty cool that you can tell he has a lot planned with these characters. He really likes them. Um, That's and they're good characters. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting he put those two in versus, let's say, Osita and Dudley Six, right? Like... You know, um, also uh, Deadshot going to his old school look, kind mm-hmm. of more the helmety. Yeah. Um, you know, very very. This almost... was what was lying around in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, well, I like the idea that it was at his house, but he hasn't been at his house for so long. So this well, is like three I, costumes I, ago. What's interesting? I don't think he's ever been to this house. This is a, well, uh, or at least not yeah. lived in this. house. He hasn't lived in that, but they... they yeah, because they, they mentioned that the wife, or the ex, bought it uh, with his but money. Some of his with stuff is still there, I guess. Yeah. But that's what I like, that it's been there, you know, stashed away, and that's why it, it's, you know, this older, yeah. almost 90s version, you know, it's very 
blocky with the all the pouches and you know um if there's ever a character that needed pouches it's it is him yeah yeah, yeah. well he's gonna, um, he's gonna carry all the extra ammo you see it's yeah. uh well exactly. and, and we kind of skipped over it with ted i think mm-hmm. where he, the conversation he has they have somebody that they refer to as her um yes at, at the beginning before he gets onto the plane and kind of hint that they have someone within the squad that's kind of like a sleeper um i uh no i didn't because there's no way they can know about the girl and they go no there's no digital record of it and she's waiting for no yeah I, yeah i didn't get in a cell yeah i didn't get sleeper from this either i i got he's got some secret person for whatever reason like i don't know i would not be surprised if it's like ariel wink's mother or something like yeah. that yeah um, um or, or, you know, something along those right, lines so maybe, Somewhat, maybe i'm getting something wait it wasn't from, from the solicits wait it wasn't i remember reading one of the solicits that says something about he's someone within there wait didn't osita have like a like wasn't her backstory with a sister or something like that uh it was her 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 significant other oh yeah that, you're right you're right you're right they got killed yeah. by by the suicide squad when they were trying to bring him in uh no yeah, I'm, he, I'm suggesting they're going to pull a twist here where someone who we thought was dead is alive but no. uh no I, I took this more that ted's got someone secret of that he doesn't want anyone to know about and luckily they'd keep her off record so no, no you know so I, I took it as something he has somewhere else rather than someone on the team. But I mean, I could be wrong, but that's the way well, I read it. No, well, he, no, he actively says she's waiting on the island for you. Oh, there you, you go. Yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but I mean, that does not mean that there isn't someone that's a sleeper. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, that, because you know. I'm definitely conflating that then because I remember reading in the solicits something about there's a betrayal. But that could, that could mean anything. It doesn't mean they're on court side. It could just be, yeah. you know. It could be Harley going like, I'm tired of all of this. Often mm-hmm. intentionally misleading. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, no, this right. issue is fantastic. That that final page with all of them standing around with with Deadshot at the center. I uh, I don't think I have a bad word to say about this issue. It's like, uh, a, a it's, it's, it's insane how quickly Suicide Squad becomes one of your most anticipated books of the month because... Mm-hmm. It's this quality, and is, is if anything uh, getting better as it goes. So, this is proof. If you put a good writer on a book, it doesn't matter what the book is, we can love it. Yeah. But you know, because mm. none of us really cared about the Suicide Squad that much. We've maybe liked a, a handful of issues here or there, but never been like, oh, a big fan. But Taylor does this. He made us care about Jason Todd too, and Unkillables. So like, it is. Which, all about let's face it, is is kind of the real like miracle <laughs> yeah which it's gonna be really interesting with three jokers uh being you know with jason todd yeah. being a presumably a, a rather large part of that from what they're mm-hmm. teasing uh if there's anyone else other than taylor that can make us care it's it's john's right oh sure yeah maybe uh, I, mean, I, so we'll I like see. john's a lot like but at the same time he doesn't always make the best decisions so uh, we'll, we'll see yeah, we'll see all right that's uh rate suicide squad issue seven matt what are you giving it 10 Oh, Carter. Ten. Do it, Pete. I I, I don't, I don't know if I felt that. I mean, I feel strongly about it. I don't know if I felt. I'm gonna go nine point five. Ah, uh, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> nine point five for me. Just couldn't commit, could he? I'm, I'm just you know, that's what it is. Uh, All right. Uh, what's up next? 
Batman Superman, issue 10. Mm-hmm. Joshua Elmson writing with Clayton Henry on the art. The ultra humanite story uh, goes forward. Uh, you got the autopsy, as it were, of Atomic Skull and kind of... Uh, well, the, the start of the issue actually is a Superman fighting. It's like a flashback to a big fight yeah, with ultra humanite. Uh, yeah. uh, once upon a time in Metropolis. I, uh, I appreciate that, just the intro of like, okay, no, this is in the yeah. past. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah. Superman good. doesn't have a forehead here. Or is it? He's got a damn near eight head. It is quite <laughs> large. It says it's, it's it, large. I found it very distracting throughout. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the colors are very nice in this comic, and I think the art gets better a little bit as it goes, but the, the, the forehead issue is something that's kind of <laughs> throughout. I am. Um, what I will say is I think the foreheads get better as it goes when he's not in action because yeah. the, the curl covers a lot of it <laughs> and makes it better. Uh, like genuinely, uh, those first few pages where he's flying and the wind's you know, whipping his hair back uh, really kind of shows it off more, essentially. Uh, when, page, when it's covered up a little bit, it's way better. Page 15, bud. When all the zombies attack, look, take a look at that one for look, me. I'm, I'm not saying exclusively. I know. It's, right. Okay. Clayton Henry style because I remember reading the Gale Simon. I think it was Gale's flash. The it digital was, yeah. first. And his his Barry was very lanky. Lanky. I, th- I think I remember saying something about that when I read it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so now nah, I think the the pacing and the art though is actually quite good from an actual yeah. perspective and, in that opening and, fight. I think more importantly, his faces are very expressive and. Mm-hmm. That matters more than the, the foreheads, ultimately. Yeah, well, he draws a dope gorilla, too. Sure. He's ultra-human out throughout this book. Looks great, because there's that, there's that page that's the ultra-humanite's uh, origin, and, you know, as concise as possible, which is no. always nice. Um, that page looks great. This may not be the Tamaki Wonder Woman Taylor Suicide Squad levels, but I think this book does very successfully continue what seems to be a very solid week because mm-hmm. Batman Superman's been a very enjoyable uh, book, especially after it maybe veered away a little bit from the, the tie-in stuff at the start. And I think this issue kind of continues the sort of pulpy standalone story that I, I've kind of been digging in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they do a bit of investigating on the Atomic Skull stuff. They try to figure out why Ultra Humanite's involved. Well, they've realized that he's involved for a start. Uh, Superman sort of has that realization later. Uh, based on what's going on. Uh, some of the tech in Atomic Skulls, this Wayne Tech chip, and there's a bunch of tech from LexCorp and, you know, Hard Industries, you know, all the, all the yeah. big companies. And Bruce kind of figures out that, okay, well, either you spend a long time stealing this tech from lots of different highly secure places, or you get it from a place that kind of has a little bit of everything. And he goes to this kind of waste disposal place that uh, he sends a lot of volatile elements. Apparently, a lot of Joker toxin gets sent here and... Yeah, it's Stuff the like most that. secure place. And I, I like the idea of that. It's, a, it's one of those things I like that they do in comics where it's like, well, yeah, of course there's going to be one of these places in this world. My uh, favorite... Like, it has to be. My favorite tidbit yeah. here is Superman, because they're, they're coming out of the building, Superman's like, you know, breaking it out is not really my skill set. And Bruce is like, relax, I want it. <laughs> We're not breaking oh, it It's mine. <laughs> yeah. So what um, I, uh, I feel about this book, because I think we're, I'm still fairly positive. Like, I really like this issue a lot. Yeah. And uh, we say, oh, it's not on the level of the previous two books. And I agree with that. I will say, this book, it's, it fits in a similar mold to kind of how I feel in general, not in quality, but in general about the Justice League book right now, in that it's just these kind of just side stories that are kind of fun. They're not particularly super deep, um, but they're enjoyable. Uh, and I think this is kind of better than what a lot of the, the recent Justice League has been, don't get me wrong. 
Yeah, um, I would say that. Bar, barring the actual tie-in stuff, once we got past that and we did like the uh, the mm-hmm. Lazarus Pit with uh, you know Ration yeah. Zard, this it feels like it's just going to be these kind of fun schlocky stories that are kind of going to stand on their own, and yeah. I'm here for that. And I'm okay Williams with that. Really good yeah, I'm okay with that, but I think the quality is still something that goes up and down in schlocky stories, and I think this is higher quality than what Justice League's been uh, doing. I agree. That, that's uh, yeah, where I said that. And, I, uh, but just in, in the tone, the feeling like, this doesn't feel like his, his Flash, for example, where it's this one giant epic. This this feels like, no, he's he's being a bit more laid back with this book, and mm-hmm. maybe it'll build to something later, I don't know. Well, but I'm okay if it doesn't. That's why I forget. Have you guys read Nailbiter? No. Yeah, because Nailbiter does that a lot, because it's very much a a horror book, but it, it goes into these up not not ups and downs because it's all pretty solid, but yeah, there's there's these peaks and valleys that he builds in, and you could say it's very schlocky, like some of the places that it goes, and the mystery that it builds to might not, you know, for me at least, didn't end up being what I thought it was gonna be, um, and I feel that that's a lot of the same here with his Batman Superman, yeah, like there's uh... these peaks and valleys, but it's still fun. Do you do you feel on Nailbiter and and kind of what we're kind of getting at here is mm-hmm. that the. Uh... The journey is is ultimately more enjoyable than the ending, yeah. perhaps. But yeah, because the journey I'm, is enjoyable enough, it's still worth recommending. Right. And that, oh yeah, I would definitely recommend Nailbiter. And then I you know I'm I'm waiting for Nailbiter to put you know it, it's got the sequel series out right now, and how many issues is going to be? But I read Nailbiter and Trade, so I'm going to keep that going, mm-hmm. right? So now when you look at it back that way, that oh well, he's had plans to do a follow up, you know. So with the way that it ends, but that was on purpose. But in the moment, you're like oh. So it's kind of like the same with the Flash, where it's like, well, this is just you know, running in circles, you know, pardon the pun. But when he announced, oh no, there's finish line coming, you're like, oh okay, well, there's that. With something like this, which is a little bit more open ended, I feel like he doesn't have that pressure. He can just tell these small stories, you know, that are, you know, three to four issues a piece, and yeah. then move to the next. When you've already got multiple back books and multiple super books there's no pressure for you to be telling that amazing story every mm-hmm. time you can have more fun and, and like i say that's kind of what justice league is at the minute is doing those style of stories and this is better again mm-hmm. but it's it, it falls into a similar vein of storytelling and i kind of miss having some books like this uh yeah, I, it's not, as long there. as the quality's at a place where it yeah. feels like i'm having good time arts mostly good i mean forehead issues aside in this one that, uh yeah yeah that's but again i feel that that's a Feature of Clayton Henry's art, not a bug, yeah. right? Like that's um, just how he does it. I um, love how big. I, I feel the same about is, even when he's in the cow. <laughs> yeah. So like, the quality you guys are talking about is also how I feel about Batman: The Outsiders, where the mm-hmm. art's always pretty good, the stories, you know, a lot of fun to read, um, and it, it's just kind of this mid-level book that doesn't have to be anything else. That it, you know, mm. that there's no what's the word I'm looking for. Not pressure, but there's there's nothing. Yeah, but I I often I often end up enjoying Batman the Outsiders and Batman Superman more than I do mm-hmm. some other books that are trying to do these bigger stories right. because the the quality is just higher despite the fact that it's not trying to do these big sagas that are taking you know fifty hundred yeah. issues whatever. It is. And I think it, it comes down to something we mentioned earlier with a bit of a editorial freedom. Perhaps they have a little bit more freedom mm. in these style stories than than the ones with the the big pressure and you know like. Like this compared to say Joker War, I imagine Williamson got a lot more freedom here. But to uh, yeah. just get back to what's going on here, so basically because the device that was stolen was the same device that Ultra Humanite was going for in the flashback, Superman kind of you know clocks who it is, 
and it explains to Batman, you know, who this guy is. It explains his backstory a little bit. So if you don't know who he is, and I mean, even EB, I think, forget because he's not. It's not like it comes up that often. Uh, just because it gives you a, here's a quick bit of history <laughs> who Ultra Humanite is, um, and then of course, just as they're having this conversation, uh, very grudly, this this part, uh, all all the uh, people in the the building start talking uh, to to them. All the workers are already dead. Um, although, and even though I say it's Grud, like Grud literally just can do this to anyone at any point, and then they're fine afterwards. These people are already dead. These are people that uh, Humanite is, you know, killed and like modified to speak for him. So he's speaking through these people. Uh, so Batman and Superman have to take care of them. Uh, there's one that's going to explode, so Superman has to uh, fly him out into the sky and get get rid of him. Yeah, because that was the whole thing. Is he'd actually put a detonator inside yeah. Atomic Skull and was what was yeah. setting him off. So that was the you know, same thing was going to happen here. Uh, but this was all a ruse for Batman to be on his own so that they could kidnap Batman. And because there's a line uh, when, he, that, when he's talking to them when they're fighting that implies, like, oh, he wants Superman's body. He wants a body that is more powerful and is the best body he can get. But then the twist is, is that it's not Superman's body that he's actually after. He's got Batman strapped to a table and he's like, blah, blah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Batman breaks out. And he's like, well, that's the thing. I enjoy being a proper villain. He, he hits a button, and Batman starts glowing like atomic skull. He's already done the surgery. <laughs> well, he was asleep, and that's the cliffhanger of the it's issue. A pretty good. It's a pretty good final page. Yeah, it says next atomic Batman, which I'm sure Matt loves the idea. <laughs> I mean, if if that means that you know Bruce is gonna have like Ghost Rider powers, and I don't like it. I don't think so. If it's, just, <laughs> if it's just his skull burning, then I'm like, nah, okay. I, I think it just means there's a potential. He's going to look a bit weird for a while. He's going to maybe explode, and then they'll fix something and we'll be back to normal. I think that's the extent yeah. of this. But pretty much, yeah. Uh, but that's yeah, a fun, it's a fun cliffhanger. Uh, the Batman piece around Batman's good. I, I I really enjoyed the flashback at the start. I thought the art was. Uh, I mean, again, forehead aside, was it flowed really well action wise, panel to panel. Yeah, I love. Uh... Clayton Henry did this a lot in the the flashback as well, but just the the solid speed lines, like where that like third or fourth panel, whatever it is of the whole book, where um, Superman's being thrown into the truck, and it's just a big red line of like you know big blocky line of the path that he's come from. Um, just uh, it, it's just a nice touch that just looks really solid uh, and gives it that that weight to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but no, solid fun. Uh, Matt, what are you giving? Batman Superman issue ten. I'm I'm gonna give this a solid uh solid no, I'll give it a seven point five. Still pretty good, but the art did uh I mean I was gonna give it the eight, but then I you know I remember the foreheads. You could just give it an eight that's not solid. And that's not solid. Soft, soft eight. Soft eight, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's why you say no, solid see, something because you're saying you're saying no, it's just really comfortably. To me, that. Solid means point zero, not point five. So uh, uh, yeah. You could have a solid 7.5 or a solid 8, or you could have a regular 8 and a regular 7.5. <laughs> yeah. Or we just don't rate it because rating is pointless, but hey. How dare you? Get that he- heretic language off my podcast, you Philistine. All right, Connor, will you read it? But after Connor gives us, I'll tell a quick story. Okay. <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's calling him a Philistine instead, I'm here for that story. No, um, it was calling my mother-in-law a Philistine. Okay. Um, but I am going to give it the 8. Uh, I think even with the the foreheads, I'd like the art enough that it just about uh, it just about scrapes there. Like um, early on in that flashback, with the ultra humanized body, body just being blown up and just the being like half open. Yeah, his shoulders. Glorious. Yeah, his whole shoulder and arms just kind of missing. 
Yeah, I think that looks glorious. And um, so, yeah, I, I will give it the eight. A soft eight, but an eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm kind of torn in there. Uh, I will also give it the soft eight. Oh, the solid eight. Do we have to add in like liquid state and gas state no. for each of these as well? <laughs> um, all right, that's uh, Batman Superman issue 10. Legion of Superheroes issue 7, Brian Michael Bendis writing with Stephen Byrne and Ryan Sook on the art. Uh, I'm gonna, first thing I'm going to say about this is that, like I said in the credits, that Sook did the first page and then Byrne did the rest. And I'm like, yeah. honestly. I couldn't tell that. Like, it still looks. Burn did a great he, job matching Sook's style with this. Really? He did, and it doesn't look like Burn that I'm used to from like uh, Wonder Twins or some of his other stuff. So, that honestly, he's done on if they Burn has a very distinctive style, that I can picture very. If they tell me right. that this this credits page is a is like a mistake and they copied in the wrong thing and he's not actually on the book, I would believe them because I, I I honestly thought this looked Sook the entire I, time. I know he is on the books. I know he was tweeting about it this week. Yeah, because uh, he has a very cartoony style, very clean he lines, does. very cartoony and, and expressive, and it's it's well, great. It, it's toned down, but you can tell that it's still burned. Like you look at it, and you're like, no, because if if he was doing this series on Twitter of Marvel versus DC stuff, mm. so there was some like really cool like Batman versus Cap and Superman versus Hulk. The one that really stood out was Wonder Woman and Thor. Like it mm -hmm. just it yeah. looked fantastic. I'm actually um, going to Comic Solid now just to get preview pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can still tell it's burned throughout, except for that first page, which, if you tell me it's Sook, fine. It's just, it's Wildfire's face, which is just a helmet. So there's no really distinguishing features yeah, that you can tell me. I mean, I suppose that's one fair point. Is that there's not like a regular page of Sook art to compare it to, yeah. but it looks very in the, the style of Sook. Like, obviously, the coloring helps match it as well. Um, yeah, I'm looking now that. Uh, I can tell it is Burn, but it definitely doesn't look his usual style. No, it looks um, different from credit, normal Burn. Credit to him there for, for matching the, the tone of the book, I guess. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming this is what it's meant to look like most of the yeah, time. Yeah, this is, this is what it looks like, yeah. Uh, this feels very in line with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think one critique I'll give this book is that I, as I was reading the start of it, <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, what happened last time? <laughs> Wait, yeah, where are I'm, we? What's going on? Look, I love Legion, and I was fighting hard for a Legion book. I'm running out of steam on this one just because it feels like it's moving at the pace. I'm sorry, the idea of long live the Legion for how many years? Yeah. And then he gets like 10 issues into a Legion. <laughs> like, I, I almost wish Bendis would hand this off to someone else like a um, like, like, a, like a Mark Russell, right? Because sure. I feel like Mark Russell could tell this story and it just everything comes off as dry here and i don't know it's lacking like here I, go ahead pete it's lacking a little momentum and i, I do feel that the mm -hmm. characters that, that i mean this is obviously a common legion problem but i do feel like mm -hmm. maybe like having a few less characters might help things overall uh because there's a lot of individual moments and scenes in here that i still really like and yeah uh, it's still a very good hopeful. issue but we're, we're still dealing with the rimbor stuff and it feels like like I, I don't know. I feel like with the Legion book stuff should be moving a little bit quicker, and I think my, my, I think my stuff in and out. Yeah, my bigger problem I think is that it's been kind of like flipping between its focus issue to issue mm -hmm. a little bit. So it kind of feels like if it had just focused on like 
you know the trident stuff but then we, we had the you know the, the force showing up and they all having to like fight the the you know brand's police force essentially and we had right. you know, there's been a lot of bouncing around in terms of what the focus is and i feel like if it had just stuck to like a, a couple of like say two or three characters for an arc and then kind of like shifted to the characters rather than the way it's dancing around uh a core bunch of them right now anyway uh, so basically, they go to this meeting that Bran's got, uh, you know, a big Senate meeting kind of thing. Well, they, they they bust down the doors to United Planets yeah. meeting. And know? basically, uh, Cosmic Boy is, as they put it later, kind of whining about uh, their influence and what they've been up to and uh, how they're handling the, uh, what's the, what's the planet called? Which one about Rimbor? Yeah, Rimbor, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how, you know, dealing with them, how they've kind of ostracized them. Despite the fact that they're here to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that yet. Maybe mm-hmm. we can sort of still tackle this peacefully. Uh, but they end up being very impressed with Superboy because Superboy kind of speaks up and tries to, like, kind of, you know, de escalate the situation and brands like, let's right. have lunch. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of, like, kind of, kind of, and the cliffhanger definitely ties back into all this, but there's definitely some. Uh, different scenes so, here. I I haven't gotten the vibe that they were having a leadership crisis in the Legion, right? Like, I, I, no. when this started, I didn't realize that Cosmic Boy was the de facto leader outside of the flashback to when they first came together with Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl. That you know, where where Brand was all for them before uh, she turned on them, and I was like, wait, so he's actually the leader, so he's mad now that they're trying to take that away. Because the United Planet's holding them responsible, and he kind of his point of view is everyone defers to Brainy, anyways. So like, why does he even need to be a leader? So I'm thinking, oh well, this is kind of they're gonna end up with Brainiac Five as as the leader, and then they go to hold a vote. Someone nominates John, who, despite the fact he still hasn't finished his training, I, well, as he for, puts it, he doesn't even know where right. the bathroom is yet. Maybe he shouldn't be in charge. Right, right. and so I I did like that. But then Ultra Boy gets nominated to to deal with this and ends up winning the vote to become leader. And it would have just been nice if we would have had, you know, signs of this early on. And I might just be forgetting it, but it just it a lot of this book seemingly comes out of left field. Yeah. Like well, the same, same with the stuff with Brand where I feel like her characterization shifts from book to book. Yeah, you know, the issue, the, issue. the bulk of this issue is about the leadership crisis, uh, but there's other scenes sort of sprinkled throughout, like Lightning Lad um, buying a, an apartment for his family in the city. Uh, that, that looks just like the one that they came from on Winaf. And like, then, so yeah, his so, mom's like, this is the same. Um, and then you come find out, it's just a program, right? Yeah, they can basically, you know, hollow deck it to whatever they want, and he's like, oh, I thought you'd like it to look the same. He's like, no, we, that was just the best we could afford. Can you make it better? And then it turns into this big, this lavish apartment. She's like, yeah, this is way better. Um, and it was a seamless trip at the go. But yeah, most of it is dealing with this this vote and the leadership crisis and lots of speech bubbles. And, I, you know, I like Bendis comic books, but right. I think Legion's almost like bringing out the worst in him in this sense and young justice too actually because there's yeah. so many characters so he's he's obsessed with having like all of characters commenting constantly about what's going on in a scene mm-hmm. I'll, i will say before we started recording um we were gearing up he was like, oh, i've got you know two books left so one of them's legion so it may take a little while and then he uh he screenshotted a page and showed it and it was like maybe even longer than i thought and i was like oh boy that's a lot of bubbles 
Yeah, a lot of bubbles. Uh, but yeah, so it, it is what it is. The, cliff, cliff, like the cliffhangers, uh, basically, you know, the Rimbar forces show up, uh, including what's his face's father, and they're like, right. you know, we're, we're, you know, we're yeah. here to what? Uh, all members of the United Planets, this legion of superheroes, are under arrest according to the laws of our planetary. Surrender, if you to do so, will bring about nothing but your uh, finality. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm having a hard time getting super invested in what the overall plot is. Yep. And so the next issue is the trial of the Legion, and it's where the next two are going to have all those artists doing one page, and I just... One page per character thing, right? Yeah, and I don't feel like that's going to help the issues no. I'm having with this book right now. I, I, um, I'm still going to pick them up because I want those issues, but I'm, I'm almost ready to say, hey, I might just want to read this in trade because the the whiplash of month to month right now, it's like, to me, Bendis is kind of all over the place. There's yeah, not that re- conciseness in, there is with Superman or even action. Reading it in trade may help, uh, admittedly. I think maybe the, the problem here, at least from a monthly perspective, is that I feel like it's still kind of, I don't know, it's kind of expected us to just sort of have an understanding of what a lot of this is uh, from the get-go. Right. And even Matt, who's a Legion fan, hasn't necessarily been able to take it all in just that easily. So, um, it sounds very dense. Yeah. It, and it is dense, but again, it's it feels dense. My, like, my big problem is, I understand what Bendis is trying to do with the president about, she has complex feelings about the Legion, but it, it feels like we're dealing with two different characters from issue to issue, you know, whereas she, she wants to have them, you know, take basically revoke their status as, as a protector force. Yet here, when they bust through the door, all because John smooths it over, she's now she's fine with it. Like that doesn't seem to, to fit with everything else that we've got to this point, you know, um, yeah. But yeah, and just that that page at the beginning, outside of a stylistic choice, I I expected Wildfire to have a bigger role, considering he's kicking off or, the issue, right? Or any role, <laughs> and he's he's relegated to the background. Like you see him in the background a couple times, but I don't think he has another maybe one or two speech bubbles. I, I, that. I, so I don't know. It's that, just kind of a mess. That's part of the one. that's part of the problem is that you you give this first page introducing this mm-hmm. character. And then it turns out that they didn't really need to do that, this issue, that it's not that relevant. And therefore, all you're doing is giving me something else to kind of like try and remember that ultimately is just filling my brain with stuff that isn't even relevant for I, now. Just a, a question. Um, if you recall back when Bendis was announced to be coming to DC, one of my biggest complaints with Bendis in general is, is team books, is that I feel like a lot of his characters all sound the same. Mm-hmm. Now... This is slightly different to Young Justice as well, in that, okay, Young Justice, you already know most of those characters. Uh, and this is especially Pete, who is a relative newcomer to, what, 90% of the characters in this book, if not more? Mm-hmm. Do, do they feel distinct to you when, when they're all talking in this issue, when there's you know bubbles from everyone? Do, do, are you able to tell this is this character, or does it all just kind of sound interchangeable? Um... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of. I mean, I I feel even not having the prior because these are different versions, mm. right? Mm. So I, I got the vibe here that Cosmic Boy is still a hothead, 
Right? That, but that was more traditionally Lightning Lad. So if they're going to switch up, that's fine because that's been consistent thus far. Sure. Is that is that Bendis' Cosmic Boy is the hothead that rushes in without thinking, and that's why they're challenging his leadership. So that's still all there. So when he does have the the argument with Saturn Girl, that all feels unique between the characters. But then when you start throwing all these other characters in, it does feel like it's kind of up to the artist who they want to draw in there because, you know, it's not driving the story forward. It's almost like background noise. Yeah. So you can put in whoever you want. Those other, the, the, the main right. three or four characters maybe are distinct, but then all the other sides. It, it could do with yeah. toning some of that stuff down. I, I did yep. chuckle. Triplicate Girls got a joke at one point when they were voting. Yep. Or one of them says, we, what, what, if we, what if we just all vote for ourselves? And the other triplicate girl goes, shh, Dermal win. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I yeah, was so just, triplicate girls vary because of the, the way that the, the bubbles go and the way that she's represented. Each, each of her words are almost a different color. right? Not words, but each of the bubbles, depending mm-hmm. who's talking. Yeah, so, so that fits, so she sticks out. But like, you know, Colossal Boy shows up at one point. They don't even address him as Colossal Boy because... At least my issue didn't have it had the symbols, but not the names. But I happen to know his name's Jim, spelled you know G I M. Uh, from from me. But outside of that, I wouldn't have no idea, you know, why he's you know pushing in on this because there's no character development with him up to this point. He's almost just like that could have been anybody. Same with Monel. They haven't even addressed his name's Monel, and he has some type of relationship to the House of L. You know, so I thought that that you was feel like John would want to know. Here. Right. So they call him Mon. And so you're you're thinking they're sitting next to each other and he's arguing with Colossal Boy over this stuff, but it never gets brought up. So, again, that could have been anybody at this point. So, again, it feels like a mixed bag where it's not a bad issue. Like, I wouldn't say this is, you know, a mess or just... I had a hard time following. It's just stylistically... I, I just feel like there's a lot going on, and it, it that doesn't help anybody. It's a bit too much noise. Um, it's what it's one of these things where because we're in this futuristic setting with this futuristic version of the world where, mm-hmm. and we have all these characters. It's 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 you can get away with this a little bit better in like a present day setting or maybe like a a, a period setting that we're more familiar with because there's a lot of rules that we just understand. There's a lot of job rules that we understand. You know, when you're reading something that's set in present day, it's very easy to remember characters who you might not even remember the names of because, let's say, there's a, a firefighter and there's like another person who's a police officer and then there's someone else that is this or someone else who is that. And it's very easy in your brain to have just like a, an understanding of who everyone is and how they fit into the, the roles that they're part of in the world. When you're reading a book like this and you're presented with 50 characters who are all in colourful costumes, <laughs> I don't necessarily know what, what? roles they all play What's interesting here is, again, without reading this book, what I kind of want to compare what you're talking about there is a far sector in that there's a lot of rules that we need to learn about this, you know, place Mm -hmm. and the the races. And you you kind of pick it up as you go, but there's only really one main character to focus on uh, early on, especially. Which makes it a lot easier to follow, right? Right, because we're in Joe's shoes in that book. We should be in John's shoes here. But John's only a background character through most of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we're getting stuff through the Legion's eyes in, uh, from different perspectives. And it's that and central focus. I, I think that's a, yeah. a good suggestion. Which, which, 
I kind of thought that that's what John being there was like. It, we're gonna be the outsider along with him. Experience. I don't even think it needs to that. be John per se. Like, I mean, if, if they wanted to make it Saturn Girl, but it has to. But whoever they pick, whoever Bendis would pick, right? It has to be them that he sticks with and says, "No, this is our eyes and ears." At least for the first arc, this is who we're going to focus everything through. Right. Give everything else context around, and that kind of thing. So yeah, uh, yeah. Even even if they had done that with like Lightning Lad, you know. It would have made you know any of these characters. You're right. been, yeah, it could have been any of them, any of the main ones, anyone right. that you want to say this is okay. This is who we're going to focus everything through for this right. first arc. But instead, it's jumping around like a, a you know like a present day Justice League book or something where we're just expected mm-hmm. to know all these characters and everything that's going on. Uh, so that's it. If this was a Justice League book, I, I still have some problems with the way it's jumping around its plot. It would still feel yeah. a little bit uh, clunky in that sense. So I don't know. I it's it's kind, it's kind of like. It's definitely a book that I'm not as pumped to read every month. Like, you know, those those books, like, when I looked at the books I had for this week, I was like, oh my god, Suicide Squad and uh, the first Tamaki Wonder Woman. Like, okay, those two are first, yeah. definitely. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, Plunge and Batman Superman are always the, good. Legion was uh, at the bottom of the list. It was like, okay, yeah, Legion too. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I say Plunge for last because I know, you know, I'm going to enjoy it, right? That, that's one of my... But this was the last superhero book that I read this week just because I knew... Not that I was dreading it, but I was like, it's going to take forever. I tried to read it at work, and I got to that. I saw that first page, and I put it back in its sleeve and put it back in my backpack. Because I was like, I'm not going to be able to read this with a bunch of people around. <laughs> like, I need to focus. You're not going to take any of that in. Yeah. So I, I just I totally put it back, and I saved it till this morning. Um, so, so yeah. It's, it's a shame because I do love Legion. But again, it's so complex because I wouldn't say it's a bad book. No, it's, like, it's, it's, it's in, just it can do things better. It's in that awkward territory where I'm happy to keep reading it, but I'm reading it under the hope that it gets better rather than I'm excited because it's really good. Kind of I thing. might, I might just have to get through the first twelve issues so I have those, and it, it might be on the chopping block of physical. Um, yeah, well, more books I expect to be ending November and December, so we'll see mm-hmm. what the relaunch uh, slates yeah. like, maybe. And reassess. You know, I think uh, I f- when we were talking about this last week, in terms of new books being announced, we do have that DC fandom thing in sometime in August. Yeah, and they did I'm say there would be comic book news in that, so we Band- might get. Don't. I mean, maybe that's where they announced the slate. I mean, and I think that'll be around solicits time, so maybe we'll get something. Unless, unless it's just a little bit too early if they're saving everything for post metal, but maybe, maybe they'll actually launch a lot of books alongside the end of metal, and it won't actually be that early to do it next month. Yeah, or this and, month. I mean. Then. It's possible though, that, I mean, when when you have big announcements like that, you can announce them a couple of months before solicitors yeah. and get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I I I just know from from, I want to say it was Ryan Higgins that the Comic Con at home didn't go over as well as they were hoping it would. Yeah, I didn't you know. hear a lot of interesting stuff coming from that, to be honest. But then again, I'm like, well, that's because there was no big announcements. Like, I'm sure if you wanted to tune into those panels, I'm sure you. You got a lot of what you would want, but I don't think that's Comic Con's fault. I, that's no, all the companies kind of pulling out. Reasonable of amount of TV news in it, I think, mm. from various mm-hmm. places, but not much for comics. Yeah, I'll. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say that you know I think there was a bit of interest. At least I don't know if it was just for me or for all of us, but uh, like asking what we thought of the oh, a little bit of the Superman clip from the the, the Snyder cut, and I'm like I've not watched it. <laughs> i don't care oh i watch it but i don't care it's not I, it's I, it's something that i am so vehemently against i hated <laughs> i hate 
I'm, I'm going to go on a rant real quick. I hate that Snyder only was interested in using Superman as a villain. That's all he cared about is every choice from Man of Steel forward. Wait, is it hunt, Matt? Just I've listened to the clip. Is is he a villain in the clip? Is that was he shows up in a black suit and wrecks somebody. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it was in Justice League where he shows up and he's all you know almost uh, um, Lazarus Pit yeah. madness bloodlust. Right. It wasn't like that. It was he he flies down. I think maybe he saw something covered. I don't know. I put it out of my brain as soon as it went in. But I just I feel like Snyder was only interested in telling this dark version of Superman. And this is what we're going to get in Justice League, because in his brain, Superman will be heroic at the end. But. Dude, what are you doing? There's there's no character development. You killed him in the second movie. For no reason. Other than you want to do the death of Superman, mm-hmm. like so, yes, no, no that, amount of yeah, that, yeah. It's the no, whole thing. no amount of him showing up in a black suit and oh, cool. Like I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like I engage in comics on a on a deeper level than that, and I see that a lot. Like those are the same to me. Those are the same people that think Joker is super deep, you know. And I was like, you can like that movie fine, but don't tell me it was deeper than what it was, you know. Yeah, I should I should not bring up that that clip with the. Matt on a rampage. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on record as just I'm, I'm not talking about that movie anymore. I'm not sharing anything about it. I just just don't care. It doesn't exist. That's it. I'm, I'm not really yeah. paying attention. I will watch it when it hits because Ooh, I'm not. Not. <laughs> oh, I, I will because I, I love to hate watch stuff. I don't know. I, I need to I need to watch it and review it. I I need to I need to do it. Because uh, I, I would have Pete to review, even if Pete never posts the review. Pete will film a review so he has an excuse to watch it. <laughs> and I get that, Pete, because that's going to be four hours of your life you're never going to get back. Yeah, hey, I'll, I'll make some content out of it. People, people will yeah, care. Didn't, didn't you say it was going to be significantly longer than originally planned? Oh, yeah, it's like a yep. miniseries now. It's going to be like like four hours but, of like. But episodes. it's not going to be episodic. It's going to be one four-hour mind-numbing. That's what I heard. That's what... <laughs> well... Matt, fun, Pete. we can, we can, hey, Matt might be in for this, we can, I might, I, I might, I might watch it in chunks, but I do, I have, I do, it's like a like, car crash. Here, here's, like, here's the question, why would I spend four hours watching that, when I could watch Birds of Prey twice, again? True, I, you have a point, also, I, I want to say that this clip also made me defend Man of Steel to somebody online, which I never thought I would. Just on the level, like it's not a good <laughs> Superman movie, but as a sci-fi, it's not bad. Like, it's it's movie, not amazing, it's not but it's bad. a solid movie. Just a bad. Right, Superman it's like a seven point five Alien Invasion movie. Like it's not a rival. It's more like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like a rival was amazing. Is, is this just uh, because Lois Lane happens to be in a rival? You thought you'd make the comparison? Because well, Arrival was sold as kind of like an invasion style movie, but then once you get into it, of course it's not. Like it's the opposite. It's more about understanding and there's complex emotions and subtlety and there's none of that man of steel <laughs> like it's a none. mostly man of steel is a mostly fun movie that i could put on right now and still be like yeah sure why yeah. Not? yeah yeah all right so, okay but- that's that's wrap this background this is this is getting to long debate or not debate i mean there's no one really debating much uh, but <laughs> anyway uh legion of superheroes issue Seven, I think we're on. Uh, Matt, what are you giving it? Uh, what did I what did I have my favorite for? 
I'll, I'll give it an. I really like the art. I'll give it an eight. Like I know I bagged on it a lot, but it's still a decent issue. I love the the the, 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 the carb version of this on YouTube. It's just the Legion of Superheroes review. It's going to have this long tangent about the stupid movies, and then the the ratings. Like you know, here five minutes after all this crap. Also, yeah. all of those complaints and Matt gave this a higher score than Batman Superman. Mm-hmm. And that was just not an eight because of some foreheads. A lot of foreheads. There are eight heads. <laughs> Bizarre. Um, I told you I don't like rating things. So wait, hold on. If that's if fighting scale, if that is an eight head, then what's an eight skin? Don't go there. You don't <laughs> want to know. You don't want to know. So, since we could just double the number and apply it to things, I, I'm just. <laughs> You don't want to know. And before anyone corrects me, I, I'm aware that the four and forehead and foreskin is not the number four. Uh, I'm, I'm well aware of this. I'm playing with the language a little bit for the humor. Let's move on with our lives. Uh, yeah, I'm not giving this an A. The I, joke is always better when you have to explain it. Always. Yeah, but there's pedantic people on YouTube that are that all oh. get all, you know, la 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 la. Well, actually, oh. um, They'll, they'll, they'll be you know, Joe comic book guy from The Simpsons. They'll ironically be comic book guy in the comments of a comic book podcast, but only not about comic books. Anyway, uh, I will give it uh, 6.5. Well, I'm landing on it. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you got through that last five minutes or so to get to the ratings, then congratulations. Yeah. Uh, next up, Plunge Issue 5. Joe Hill rating with Sure Eminem on the art. Uh, this is the penultimate issue and kind of sets the the stage for the the for the finale, which is which is cool. Um, um, this this issue moved a little bit quicker than I was expecting it to, with sure. some of the stuff that happened. But that it's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, they, they yeah. basically uh, find out a bunch of stuff. Uh, the company guy Lacombe finally sort of does his big dick move, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, he has his Paul Reiser moment. Yep, yeah, where yeah. he locks them all in and basically surrenders to the the alien parasites, and ultimately, the the book ends with like, okay, you're going to open that hatch in that submarine so we can get to our thing and finally leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we find out in this issue that there's an egg in there and it's going to hatch, and I'm like, okay, they keep saying they're going to leave, but does this monster yeah, thing that's going leaving. to hatch from inside the submarine is that going to like destroy the planet first and their way yeah. out? That's my that, guess. That's how I took it. Like, they're, they're, uh, like, so it's revealed because um, they they get back to the ship mm-hmm. and the, the, the captain is, is prepared to torture one of the members of the Durlith, the zombie guys. And, and the worms are like, yeah, we're, we're immune to all kinds of torture. We're not going to tell you what you need. And the one brother that was given the headset is like, well, I have a psychic headset. So, you know, I can go and look into you and the worm warns that he won't survive that and he kind of has this never tell me the odds moment so he goes into their you know hive mind if you will to their memories and we see that they're not they're not just worms they're they're reproductive cells and that they're basically the sperm trying to get to the egg and once they do that that's kind of it yeah, uh, something I just want to mention here. Well, two things. One is that he actually dies from this, seemingly. Uh, he, yeah, he doesn't he wake back up. Uh, and they actually do a really good job of making you care about him a little bit because just before he's doing this, uh, the, the diver, the woman, uh, mm-hmm. comes over and, you know, 
like if you die doing this i'll, I'll kill you, you hear me and he says something like oh well you know there's a theory that if you know if, if there's at least one beautiful woman at your funeral crying then you've lived a, a decent life a good life and she kisses him on the cheek and says that theory sucks but it's just a, it's a nice little exchange it's kind of sweet that just gives it enough where you're like okay okay i'm kind of rooting for him not to die now and then he does and it's kind of really sad yeah now was her and the native guy were they an item before uh no i don't think so because because there, there's a bit of stuff in there between them um between between her and and him right right before he has his moment i never um, i never got the impression uh i didn't either so that, that that's one one problem i have with this but it doesn't impact the rest of the story you know um but basically the captain takes apart that that worm body and um you know they, they take in the worms out uh and and the paul riser guy locks them in right and then infects one of the other members of the crew before yeah. because he's because there's, there's he's a, been told there's a guy by, there's a guy that's coming down who may be able to get them out uh, right. and they're yelling at him, no, don't trust, don't trust this dude. And the riser guy, who has one of the worms in the, or one of the parasites in the in a jar, smashes it on this guy's head, which infects him. So then he's a drone him. for the rest of the issue. Yep, and then he lets the crew of the Durlith in, who lets them out, but you see that they've they've put the brother on, on the table, and that, that zombie body is gone. Like, they've they've disassembled it. Um, and then it takes them to this, you know, sacrificial site where, where the natives who had kind of worshipped these creatures, you know, it, it offered them up as um, sacrifices. And it, they, they tie them all up to these, these totem pole looking devices and tell, you know, the diver, you're going to go down there and you only have until the tide rises so so don't mess this up and yeah yeah weird. everyone's going to die if you don't come back in time right. uh and then but they're all like we ain't getting out of this anyways hypothermia's gonna kill us before the water does you know um yeah so but... before before we get to the ending though i do want to mention that the the riser character elicom he he wants the the thing you know the object ingot. yeah the ingot because yeah. he 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 saw it through the x-ray and he said it was like seeing the face of god and yep. he's basically like, I don't even care if they kill me, but this is all done. As long as I get to hold it for a while before I die, oh. he's more than happy with that that outcome. Yep. And, and out. one of my favorite panels in the book is actually when it, when you turn the page and they're they're on their way to this place uh, where all the totem mm-hmm. poles are. And there's a, there's a wide panel at the top of just his face as he's sort of looking down at the thing, and he looks so sinister. Yep. Uh, I just yep. think it's a really uh, really good piece of art. Uh, no, it is. It's uh, it's very creepy. Um, but, but speaking but, yeah. of but speaking of good art after after the diver like he's like hey i'll be back a, a, sec, a sec boys just kind of yeah. like really nonchalant um right. the art is she's like swimming down to this the submarine there's a uh-huh. whale that's coming for it and then the giant Parker. yeah the, the, the giant parasite that we saw in the water last issue yep. actually comes and like tangles it up to like sort of like protect her because she's going to do something for them so she's under their protection yep. for now yeah, so I didn't get that the orca was going after her, unless it was like the natural world trying to stop her mm. from doing this, which that would have been cool. But don't forget that orcas are the top of the food chain. These are whales that eat great white sharks, right, mm-hmm. for fun. They kill great white sharks for fun, um, eat their liver, and then leave them floating, right? So the, the, the fact that 
this gigantic worm took one of them out is like, well, what what is going to brew in that womb when they get in there? Yeah, because you know? you'd almost expect this thing is the sort of thing that might be born, but we already have this thing. So what's right? Yeah, what's in there? Um, it, it's, it's, and it, it, it also plays with with a lot of you know. The more I learn about Stephen King stuff, because I, I had stayed away because as a kid I, I would get afraid of that stuff. But you know, talking with Tim about Stephen King and how much he's kind of been influenced by H.P. Lovecraft and and the old gods, and that Pennywise is kind of one of the old ones. I get the same vibe of these creatures that whatever is going to be born is something akin to like Pennywise or or even the the creature from the dollhouse family, something along those lines, like this celestial terror. Um, and that's not good. <laughs> so yeah. Now even even after the the arc a bit, like the just the her swimming down and the the page where you see the mm-hmm. sub, the the atmosphere here, the the rays of light hitting it from above, like yep. it's it's really obviously it's a very uh, you know, it's not a busy page. It's a very kind of simple, right. atmospheric page, but it kind of sells the the quiet darkness and the, the the dread of it. And the final page is just the, you know, the the hatch. It's just the you know the the, the lev, you know the, the valve, and just like hey, this is it. Yeah. This, this is opening I, next issue. I haven't been into a hatch this much since probably two thousand and two. Is that when when did when did Lost debut? Two thousand four. Early. <laughs> okay, then two thousand and four. Um, I, I haven't been this into it since that, so it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Now, this issue was really good. I had a lot of fun reading it. I, I, I definitely feel something's up the sleeve, though, with the brother dying, because it seemed like it was the end, but maybe not, right? Because it wasn't a traditional death. No, like he, but, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow woke back up. If like maybe mm-hmm. when they, if they, if they like disrupt their hive mind or something, that will give them the the, the opportunity to right. escape. But yeah, for now he seems dead. Because uh. he he brought up that this was, you know, it's like free diving, right? Is yeah, it seems scary from the top, like you're gonna die, but the more you do it and the more comfortable you get, the better you get at it, the further you can go. And that he goes, and then his his you know. Kind of his final words as himself are, this is what we do. It's not suicide, it's salvage. And I was like, oh, man. Really, really drove that point home. Yeah, and right? obviously it pisses off Captain Carpenter, who end, ends up yep. just, just basically ripping apart the, the, the other host yeah. that's in there. Um, they are actually as well, because they, they do treat his like sort of dive into the, the hive mm-hmm. mind as kind of a deep-sea dive. The art is very interesting. It's, it's different enough from the actual dive at the end. It doesn't look the exact same, but it definitely has kind of a dive quality to it, which uh, I thought was a really yeah. smart choice. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, Plunge has been really solid. Um, I'm really I've dug the story progression. I think it's going to read fantastically in trade. It'll make a hell of a movie if like Netflix or someone wants to fund it. Get on it! I want to watch this. Yeah, certainly won't complain. Uh, what are you giving Plunge issue five, Matt? I'm giving this one a nine. <laughs> that were the big numbers this week. Uh, I'll probably go with eight point five on this one. Uh, but really yeah. good though, really good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I could be a comics. Uh, I will rank those in a little bit. Before that though, Connor uh, has a Patreon book, uh, Severed Issue Three. Uh, he's going to talk about every month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFestTV. Uh, our patrons at the thirty dollar tiers. Uh, there's only a limited number of slots, but you can make me or Connor read a book of your choosing once per month and uh, Severed Issue 3 is one of Connor's books this month. So 
Take it away. Yeah, this is uh, right off the bat the strongest issue of this series, uh, so far at least. Uh, it's the most focused, it's got the most going on for it. Um, so we open with uh, Jack and Sam, they're kind of you know sticking together, trying to travel to meet uh, Jack's dad, who's in Mississippi, that they know now from the end of the last issue. And they're like, well, how are we going to pay for it? So he gets out his violin and starts, you know, playing in public to try and, you know, get a bit of cash from passersby. A bit of busking, you know. Good old-fashioned grafting work. Um, and, you know, it does all right. You know, they're, they're not, like, you know, raking it in, but they get enough to pay for a train ticket or whatever it's going to be. Um, get some food in the, in the diner. Um, enough that they can, you know, order whatever they want from the menu, which is unusual for them both, who are, you know, both kind of not had a lot of money up to this point. And Sam's acting as uh, his his manager and be like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be great. Um, but as they're, they're out about, they're playing the, the next day. Uh, the salesman from the first issue of two, you know, the, the, the vampire, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, shows up and, you know, talks to them. He's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm with uh, Victrola and here's, uh, here's my business card because this is the guy who he killed. Uh, whose identity is but they killed in issue two, I think. Uh, and he's like, hey, you know, I could maybe get something for you, you know, come with me and we'll go back to mine. We'll have a few drinks, some food, and we'll relax for a bit and listen to some records and then we'll, we'll maybe talk about some business. And Sam's understandably a bit, you know, nervous. Like, yeah, this, this feels a bit shady. But Jack, being the naive little boy that he is, is like, oh, go on then, why not? What, what can it hurt? So they go back to his place, which is a, uh, you know, in like some in, in a, I think it's in like this this old kind of hotel, um, very rundown looking place. Um, when they get there, they you know, they kind of hang around, they're like you know, noticing all the stuff. You know, he's got this brand new record player that's nice, which you know plays with his story of who he is. It's like you know, okay, he would, and he talks with some authority on the subject. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's all fine. It's all you know top of the line stuff but i you know for me it's all about you know burning your own cylinders uh, but so you know it, it's it's really shown that he's dived into the character and knows what he's talking about and he gives him a couple of beers and you know cooks some dinner and he cooks a a, a duck and um he talks about how you know you know, you've got to, you know he, he learned from this this chinese person that you've got to treat the ducks well before you eat them and they'll taste so much better if you you know give them beer and fatten them up give them some love uh, they'll taste amazing and uh, you know it, it's all very clear you know the subtext of being this is what he's doing to to the two kids here is you know he's giving them the beer he's giving them the food so if you, i think he actually says uh, if you make their last few days uh, amazing they'll taste it better than anything uh, you know you, you, if you're going to eat an animal make sure its last days are memorable and it's like okay let's see where you're going here uh, and he starts trying to, you know, test the two of them. They're like, oh, do you, so you two trust each other then? You know, and they're like, yeah, of course we do. And he's like, all right then. And, and he, he comes out with a big massive bear trap and puts it on the table and, you know, and sticks his head in it to prove a point that it's safe as long as the pin is in it. As soon as you take that pin out, it'll snap up. Uh, if you throw something in it, obviously, put some weight in it. And he's like, right, okay, let's see how much you trust each other. Jack, put your hand in the trap. And then he's like, and, and you're fine, as long as Sam doesn't pull the, pit, pull the pin. And, uh, and, and then he throws in $20, which, again, we're in like the 
thirties or twenties or whatever it is. So this is, you know, quite a lot. And then he's like, okay, so, you know, $20 is a lot of money, but whatever. And then he goes, but how about eight? $80, that, that's enough to eat steak every night for a year, you know, and enough to stay off the streets. But Sam still doesn't do it. You know, she, do, she doesn't pull the pin. She, do, she doesn't take the money. And it's like, okay, I guess you two really do trust each other. Uh, but, you know, uh, Sam, Sam goes off, you know, just to, to wander around the apartment and, and just sees the state of the place and just feels like, you no, know, this kitchen, it's it's barely used. It, it doesn't look, well, it, it's barely cleaned. It's all old. You know, it, it's been used in the past, but not recently looking. It's it's like a mess. So, uh, and, and, you know, gets bad vibes. And like, okay, we should go. And they're like, okay, fine. You know, he, he lets them go. And as they're leaving, Jack goes, you know, thanks for dinner. See you Sunday. He's like, yeah, see you Sunday. Like, what's Sunday? Is that well, you know, he's he's uh he's gonna give us a lift down to Mississippi, and that's the the cliffhanger, and uh, it's it's such a tight issue, and most of it, you know, probably about two thirds, is just this long dialogue sequence between the three characters. Uh, but the 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 tension is so palpable. Uh, every moment is like, is this the moment where he's gonna turn? And you know, you get okay, he's fattening them off. He's he's wanting to. To make them savor this, it's going to be memorable, like he says. But at any minute, it's like, oh, I don't know. And then he has a line at one point how uh, you can't trust women, you know, they're the worst. And uh, of course, he doesn't realize Sam is, is a girl. She's still in disguise as a boy, like she was in the first couple of issues, because it's safer. Um, so it's like, okay, it's setting that up that, okay, it's untrustworthy, and there's going to be something coming from that. Uh, and it's just. It's just a masterclass of this this tension horror writing of what is ultimately a very simple scene for most of the issue. It's it's three characters having dinner and some drinks, but it's it's bordering on the terrifying, uh, just without doing anything, and uh, it just makes it spectacular. And the art is is gorgeous and really sells every single moment. And the pacing, like when the when when Jack's got his hand in the bear trap, it does all these close ups. Like from the salesman's lips, you know, on his mouth, telling you, know, you know, eighty dollars. What could you do with that? To Sam's eyes, thinking about it. Back to the salesman's eyes, oh, enough to stay off the streets. To Jack's eyes, you know, looking at Sam, and, and you know, it's just his eyes and his nose that, that you can see. But he's notably nervous, going, "Oh my God, is you know, will she take this? Because it's a lot of money." And you know, he's only known her you know, a few days, really. And it's just in these small moments that the art really sells it. Um, and that's uh, what makes this issue you know, really fantastic. Yeah, it's probably like a nine overall. Really good. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, I was just reading about a, a, a script that was written for Gladiator 2 once upon a time that sounded batshit insane. It, it is wild. <laughs> oh, God. Time travel. Um, yeah, like, well, okay, I need yeah. to read that. Ba- battle through the ages, because well, obviously, I mean, spo- spoilers for Gladiator, but Russell Crowe's yeah. character kind of dies at the end. Of the, that's kind of the whole point of the movie. Yeah, um, he goes to the Elysian Fields, though. So, it's fine. But he, he basically said to the screenwriter, like, "Hey, you can solve that." <laughs> and he came, up, <laughs> he came up with this thing about you know heavens and gods and like fighting eternally, and there's going to be scenes during Vietnam and all sorts of crazy mm. shit. Why the hell does this movie not exist? Because they had to make that. Well, him and him and Ridley had to make that movie about him owning a winery. That was boring (laughs) as shit. And I know because I watched it with my dad. What movie was that? Uh, Uh, Good year. I mean, mean, oh yeah, that's just 
I, I never All saw right. it, but I'll say right. I mean, no, I probably had any plans to watch it, but that movie sounds insane and amazing, and I want to see yeah. it. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's the takes like, the part of the show where we pick our favorites of the week. Favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and of course, top five books. And given that we read five books this week, well, me and Matt did anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it'll just be ranking the five books. Really simple. Uh, so, starting off with best moment slash panel, uh, Matt, what you got? Oof, there's a there's a lot to go off of here. As the layouts in Wonder Woman are pretty great, there's some good stuff in Plunge. Suicide Squad had some fun stuff. Batman Superman had a cool Ultra Humanite page. But I I think I'm gonna go with Suicide Squad. When uh, oh, let's see, what, what do I want to do from there? I'll I'll do it when when Ari. Uh, and and Wink show up, and tell tell live shot that her dad has friends. That was that was pretty good. All right, Connor. Uh, well, there are a lot of great moments in Suicide Squad. I I can't disagree. I'm actually gonna pick one from Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm actually gonna go with the panel of uh, it's it's when Diana picks up the the bunny and starts talking to it. It's called the Amazons moving the stuff in the background, and it's just such a a low key moment that told me that's what this book is going to be mm. and uh it was the defining moment of just what it's going to be for now and uh i, I appreciate that yeah i'm going to go with the wonder woman as well i'm going to go with the two-page layout of the the chasing after the car and the jumping uh that, that yeah. was like you know i got to that page and i'm like all right okay like i'm out of this run but this is immediately I, I can see what it's doing um so just beautiful stuff uh so uh, best cover of the week. Uh, I was looking through these as Connor was uh, talking about mm-hmm. severed. I, I did it while you were from that punch. Yeah, uh, there's actually quite a lot of good options. Uh, the, the main Legion cover is actually pretty nice, uh, despite our critiques on the the book itself. That said, though, those uh, Suicide Squad variants because the main cover for Suicide Squad is very good, but the Suicide Squad variant is uh, continued in the line of uh, who's been doing those, uh, Jeremy Roberts. Uh, very Matina esque. Very Matina esque, painted. Uh, I kind of love how Asita looks on that cover. Uh, this this one looks like it should be a Blade Runner poster. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of digging that. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, Wonder Woman's cover is pretty solid, but I I do think I have to go with the uh, Suicide Squad variant. I think that's ultimate. Even though the plunge ones are also very very good, atmospheric. Uh, and the Legion variant is very good. I mean, actually, the Legion main cover is great. The Legion variant is also very pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I was all, I despite the fact that I only read five books this week, there's like six or seven covers to actually pick from <laughs> for best cover. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, what's yours? So, I'm, I'm going to go with the Suicide Squad main cover just because I like all the blues <laughs> uh, uh, on sure. there. It's because there's, there's so much other good stuff, but that one's pretty simple. Um, so yeah. Alright, Connor? Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to choose from. The, the only one I'd give an extra shout-out to that hasn't been mentioned so far is the Batman-Superman variant. I think that's really quite nice as well. Sure. Uh, just because there's a lot of choice. But I think, ultimately, I am going to settle on the Suicide Squad variant as well. Alright. Alright, best art of the week, Connor? Uh, Suicide Squad. Hands down. Alright, Matt? Oh, this one's another tough one because you have I'm in an unplunge. You have Suicide Squad. You had uh, Burn on Legion was pretty good, and then Janin on on Wonder Woman. 
But uh, I'm gonna plunge. I gotta, gotta, gotta plunge in there. Yeah, I was chuckling at the start of that because Tim messaged me like a couple of minutes ago, uh, saying, uh, "Did you see this DM to the streams after midnight Twitter account?" And someone sort of saying, "Oh, our, our movie's now on uh, Tubi. If you want to watch this thing." And he's like, I don't know if you saw it. I was like, yeah, I saw it. It's, just, it's obviously a, a copy and pasty thing that, you know, they're just, you know, sending out to everyone for advertising sake. And he said, he just, he responded just point blank with great business strategy and it made me chuckle. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my favorite art of the week is. Oh, this is tough, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, because you got it's a good w- week for art. Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and Plunge are all. I mean, even Legion's pretty... I mean, the, I mean, I had complaints about the book, but the, the art's not one of them. Uh, yeah, no. I'm going to go with Wonder Woman for the layouts and the, yeah. the, the colour palettes, uh, specifically, because I like the, the colouring for most of the book, but then you had the, the blacks and the reds for the, the prison stuff, so I overall say that. Uh, if only because... Even though it's a different artist, technically, because it's a fill-in, Suicide Squad was kind of more of the same, and a weird, even though it was really... I mean, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, as someone who picked this card, I picked it because it matched the style and the, the flow and I think the, the sequential storytelling of the fight scenes was pretty spectacular. Yeah. It was, that. honestly. The, a lot of good options this week. Alright, top five books of the week, Matt. Go. Alright, so, number one is uh, Suicide Squad. Number two is Plunge. Number three is Wonder Woman. Number four is Legion. And number five is... Uh, Batman Superman. Okay, Connor. Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Batman Superman. All right, my number one is Suicide Squad. Number two is Wonder Woman. Number three is Plunge. Number four is Batman Superman. And in a distant fifth place is Legion of Superheroes. So there you go. Nice and easy. Straightforward. All right, so I will now tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So what are we going to be talking about? No, no I, I mean, I'll tell you everything here. So some of these won't be on the show, of course, but worth mentioning because I know some of you will uh, care about some of the books that we're not covering. Uh, next week has Batman 96, Justice League 50. Uh, so I expect uh, an oversized it's, issue. It is. It says yeah. it in the solicit there. Ah, there you go. Uh, Strange Adventures issue 4, Young Justice 17, Deceased Dead Planet issue 2, Darts, mm-hmm. Dark Knights, Death Metal, Legend of the Dark Knights, Issue 1, Far Sector 7, uh, Batman the Adventure Continues, Issue 3, The Dreaming Waking Hours, uh, and then, uh, I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but DC Classics, The Batman Adventures, Issue 3, uh, is also Do there. you know what? There's yeah. only two books out of everything they're publishing, really, next week, that we're not reading. I'm not counting that DC Classics, I think it's yeah. just a reprint. But the, the Dreaming we're not covering, and the uh, Batman the Adventures Continue is a digital first yeah. if you if you consider the other one okay it's sandman we're actually reading everything from their main line next week but notably mm-hmm. uh, it's still only seven books so it's not you know this uh yeah it's pu- publishing wise it's actually not a busy week uh but in terms of interest wise batman strange adventures deceased and a death metal tie-in are all pretty huge in terms of like and, talking points i'm excited for more far sector oh sure yeah uh but that's all the stuff that's coming out next week uh so feel free to read what you're going to read and join us for the conversation uh so now i will uh, do some plugging and also thank our patreon producers and uh, we're at the start of a new month which means i have uh names to uh, add to this list so thank you to the following patreon producers for the month of august 
Uh, Alison M. Fordyce, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Shaw, Bordnow, Zammer Jammer, Al Tribesman, and Christopher Moy. Uh, thank you to all you guys. Uh, they are all $20 or above patrons, which makes them producers. But you can, of course, support everything we do here for as little as $1 per month over at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, and get some bonuses for some of the various things that Mailfuzz TV has. Uh, not all of it related to comics, of course, but uh, at the $5 tier, you get early access by one day to comics from the multiverse, but also previously in the multiverse, and occasionally there'll be a vote for previously as well, which you also get access to in that tier. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you want to keep all the content coming. Uh, the free way to support us, of course, is you know sharing us out on social media or whatever. Uh, a big one, though, if you're watching on YouTube, is to hit the like button. Uh, as, as much as I hate doing the like button uh plead <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, a really smash s- that like button it's a really simple way every time pete does this and hesitates i, I want to do what matt just did yeah because that's the, uh-huh. the cliche thing. that's the cliche like, I hate it. do uh, it the, the other thing smash that like button the other thing that i've really grown to hate is when, the, when people are saying on youtube to like check you know links in the description or whatever they'll do this thing when they go uh look on down below whenever they say down below when they're talking about the description it just it's a pet peeve i hate it <laughs> I don't see that one as much. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I I think it's the people who say it. They deliver it with this like really cheesy voice where they're doing like the, they go full yeah. presenter mode, and it just irks me. Anyway, uh, my just, favorite my favorite YouTube hosts hate it like like you do. Yeah, and they go just sits all down there. Yeah, do all, all all the YouTubers I favorite. like are like I don't want to do this. But, so they kind of do it ironically, like you know, like you know, smash that like button. But they do it ironically, like aware of how terrible yeah. it is. The, the sad part is though, is that getting spread on YouTube through the algorithm is so reliant on likes and honestly, also dislikes. Dislikes aren't actually that much of a bad thing, to be honest, on YouTube. Actually, <laughs> count them almost the same. Yeah. Uh, so it's engagement's engagement. So please do uh, hit the like button uh, and all that. And if you're obviously listening to the podcast, uh, leaving a review and a star rating. Uh, on iTunes or wherever uh, is also really useful in the same way, just on whatever uh, platform you're on. Um, so do all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, look forward to next week's show. Uh, is there anything else I want to say? Um, yeah, previously's back, episode 14 of previously. Uh, just went out publicly uh, uh, earlier today, actually. So uh, check that out. Uh, check out the Comics of the Multiverse YouTube channel. If you want the YouTube version of the previously books, uh, they're going to be exclusive to the Comics of the Multiverse YouTube channel uh, individually. Uh, and they're almost caught up. I mean, episode uh, 12 is currently uh, going out. I think episode 13 starts going out tomorrow at the individual bites. So that'll be up to date because episode 14 just went out uh, for the audio. So that'll be the point where, much like the individual clips of this podcast when they go up on that channel, uh, start like the day after this goes out publicly. Uh, that'll be the same for previously starting from episode 15. So uh, go and uh, check out that. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. Uh, check out some of the TV reviews me and Cardi. We're doing Doom Patrol. That's almost ending its season. Uh, Stargirl's near the end of its season. And both have been very good. good. Yeah. Matt, if you've not watched Stargirl, I think you'll get you'll enjoy it. My God, it's like when Kane used the, the voice box thing to talk and challenge Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1998. I can't handle this. I should have yelled suck it. I was part of DX. But yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> no, but still, that was the best. Um, what was I going to say? That, that me. Oh, Stargirl. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, once I can get something that makes it easy to watch it on, so if they want to throw it up on uh, the CW app, sucks. Oh, so, sure. Sure. I'm sure uh, 
it's kind of weird most of the cw stuff tends to go to netflix soon but now they've got hbo max and because it technically supposed to be a, C- a dc universe show i don't know if mm-hmm. that means it doesn't go somewhere else at least for the time being once dc mm-hmm. universe is like dead like it's clearly going to be then right. we'll see what happens but uh, I mean, if they want to throw it up on netflix like they do the other cw stuff i'll, I'll watch it quick it's you know surprisingly it pretty good very easy quick watch once it yeah. yeah there's only like two episodes left and it'll be yeah so easy a couple of shaky yeah. pacing things in the first like four or five episodes but mm. once it gets going it actually gets better sure. and better so yeah i'm sure i'll enjoy uh so there you go that is uh been episode 212 of comics from the multiverse thank you very much for joining us uh keep reading dc comics and all that jazz uh you can is there a thousand eight plug actually I, I i feel like i'm i'm missing something i don't think i am but no i think i'm good i think i'm good okay been a pleasure guys uh we'll see you next week for 213 and uh maybe connor will finally grow a heart or something i don't know what the hell are you talking about i i, I gave suicide Squad a higher rating than you because of the heart <laughs> because of the heart that's Connor has a lot of hearts they're just from his victims <laughs> he doesn't steal hearts he steals levers to replace his own because all the booze kills them pretty quickly uh, the turnover rate's quite high. Sorry, 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 Connor. I turned you into that meme of where they show like this is what this heart looks like. This is what this heart. The theater goes, "Oh, I'm not making a point. I'm showing you you my collection." <laughs> Connor became the version of that. He's like that, but with whiskey bottles, but they're all empty. Yes. Look, he's gonna show us a full one. <laughs> he's not it yet. I don't know. I don't have any that aren't open. Because I don't, I don't, I don't hoard my bottles. They're not for collecting; they're for enjoying. So when I buy a new bottle, I open it. Yes, yes. sure. I can't contain himself. Must, must get that sweet alcoholic uh, release as quickly as possible. I've had one drink today. It's Screw so you. good. Yeah, it was prosecco. <laughs> it was a. It was a whole bottle. It was a a six point eight percent cider, and that is it. Uh, that's a All lot. Right. <laughs> he says it like it's not a lot, but that's a lot. <laughs> it was 12% alcohol by why, why isn't there a cider yet that's called Suicider that's really strong do we it's haven't made it yet <laughs> I feel like there's just a, there's a pun waiting to be used there alright that is us guys thank you very much once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep reading DC Cogs and remember to never get lost in the speed force Deadshot rules ass